when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? Yeah, but I had like a whole thing. This is Austin Walker, and I'm here to talk to Are we here? Is this it? Are we a doing friend this? here who has a top 10 list. This wasn't it. I'm just riffing here. Kata's going to use this. I won't use this card. Please use it somewhere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What's good, Internet? Welcome What's back. What's good, Internet? Okay. <laughs> This is annoying now. <laughs> What's good, Internet? Welcome back to our year-end celebration here at Waypoint. We are recording the final podcast. We're the last ones. To go. To That's a privilege of mine, I think. I don't take a lot of privileges of being EIC. I could. You know what I mean? I could mm-hmm. be like, you'll give me a corporate car. You know, send me Damn, out. You send could me get out a corporate. To, I could get a corporate. I could get um, What else could I do? I could be like, yeah, but that has to fly me down to West Virginia to play this game. I don't do that. Be like, you know yo, I mean? Natalie, go get me some fruit snacks from the kitchen. I'm not saying I don't take any privileges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. Sometimes you're like at the latte store, and I'm like, yeah, I'll take a latte too. Yeah, I hit you up for you those. Do? That's true. Yeah, for real. no so, problem. To, but one privilege that we, what I am taking is like, I want to talk about my list last so I have a little more time to finalize it. Same. And I've done that now. We put we put this off down to the final hour of the final day that you were here in New York yes. before we're going home for the holidays. Um, and here we are. We're going to talk about our top 10 games of the year. We're doing that. Uh, for people who maybe are listening to this in out of order, we are also doing deep dives into some of our favorite games. We figured out like, oh, hey, a lot of people really like Into the Breach. We should have an Into the Breach conversation. I don't know that that's gone up yet. That might be tomorrow. <laughs> I think it's tomorrow. It'll go up the next day. I'm pretty sure. It's the last one. It's the last one. That's what I'm saying. So, oh, so ha- this will come up. This will be out before that will be. No, I thought our, one, I thought our no, list. No, no. It's the last one of those. Yep, that's Thursday this... is Wednesday. Yeah, no. Rob and Patrick end. Rob and Patrick are Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I have a good idea. This is why I'm the Damn. IC. I know what my content plan is. Thank you. Thank you for clapping. Thanks to the audience here today <laughs> in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. Um, Where the fuck was I? Talking about video games. We're talking about video So, so for instance, we we're had... doing deep dives into things yeah. like Life is Strange, ep- or two, episode one, uh, Battletech. And what we want to do, though, is, is also have, uh, make sure that smaller games don't get missed or games are just like i'm the only one who liked it you're the only one who liked it that much the only one like it really hit and so we wanted to make sure that we we carved out space for those conversations too so here we are natalie and i to talk through our top 10 list the way we're going to do it today is we're going to go from 10 to 4 and then we're going to talk about some honorable mentions yes and then we're going to do 3 2 1 because i think both of us have lists where 3 2 and 1 are connected in some through line fashion in some way or at least 3 and 1 are 3 and 1 are for you 
Three, two, and one are for me. It would have been two and one, and then right before this podcast, I changed it. So thank Damn. you for choosing me to be your partner because I also was changing my list until the very last. I, I think everybody was, uh, and we still have, like you said, there. In some ways, I think even ten and nine are not safe for me. So do you want to just jump right into that? Let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right in. Do you want to go first? Yeah. What is your number ten game of the year? Well, I first think we should talk about like. Or should, <laughs> actually, no. Let me just fucking take hold of this podcast for myself. Yeah. Well, do you want to do like a how do we feel about our lists at the beginning sure. or at the uh, end? Give me like the thesis statement. Like set this up like I'm not to put essay stress on oh, you, but God. like the thesis statement of my list is that I have a complicated relationship with it this year because. I feel like I did not have like the mental capacity to really invest myself mm. in a lot of the types of games that I wanted to this year. So what I did instead was leaned back on things that were comfortable, that were things that I already knew and sure. wouldn't have to take a chance on. Not in the sense that mm. I was like taking a chance on, oh, is this going to be good or bad? But mainly like... I didn't feel capable of like really investing myself in like whole new characters, whole new worlds, things that were right. unfamiliar. You were going to do that Dragon Age deep dive again this year, no. in that way where you're like up late reading lore documents and yeah. wikis and shit like yeah. that. And I really wanted that. That's the thing mm. is like, I think there are a lot of games this year that had that potential, and I did do that with with one of the games on my list this okay. year. Um, but yeah, so there is. I mean, I feel like my list is a little. I do feel a little feel it's safe i feel like it's safe i feel like i wish i had experimented more but i think if anything it has really motivated me to put myself out there way more next year and sure. to be more diligent about my time time management in what i play next year mm -hmm. and giving myself the time to play different games giving myself um you know the time to invest in larger games and also to move quickly through not quickly but to move through smaller games and like get them done and get and them like, done and move past and like yeah and like ruminate on them like yeah like put thoughts down like i have a i bought after i saw janine hawkins um her game journal at the beginning of last year mm -hmm. i bought one and i was like oh, i'm gonna do you? this this nice. year nice. Did i did not it? I did it for it. two games, one of which made it on my list, and the other I would have put on, but it's okay. Um, so this coming year, though, I am going to do it. So those are like my feels about yeah. my list this year. I have uh, I have a similar thing in that I got through half the year and was like, I'm going to have two games on this list. I don't like video games anymore. I'm quitting video games forever. Yeah. Um, and I still have some of those feelings <laughs> to some degree. I, I have a... Now I have, but now I have 15 games on this list that I've been trying to chop down to 10. So I, yeah. I do, of course, still like video games a whole bunch. They speak to me in a deep way. Um, I still get riled at any sort of like video games are the best medium conversation because it feels like really defensive. It feels really pathetic. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like there's like this deep investment in a medium and you're afraid that it can't speak for itself. Yeah. Let the game, if the, if the games are that important, they'll speak for themselves. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And they do because they touch people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, there's another thing that was happening here and I think it's connected, which is my game, my list this year has 
one, two, three, four, at least four, maybe five tactics games on it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm understanding that pretty broadly, um, but this was a year where like, and I will have written about it by the time this goes out. I don't know if this, if my, so we're doing top 10 lists. We're also doing essays. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first week of our end of year, we did freelance essays. The second half, the second week was like us essays, essays from yeah. the staff. And I don't know if mine will be up by now or not, or if it'll be up tomorrow or Friday. It should be up. Uh, that might move because that's that placement is temp- that's temporary because I have to write that still. <laughs> I have lots of notes about it. It's scheduled to be up before that, but who the fuck knows? Because it is like my big rumination on 2018. Yeah. Um, and it is about why tactics games spoke to me this year. And I think there's like a couple of easy answers to that that are about like, oh, and perfect, ta- and the perfect, solution. perfect solutions, it's the solutions and outcomes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I actually think the more I think about it, the more I come around. So I did, I did, one of the things I did was play a lot of tactics games this year. The other thing is like, I fell into a hole of watching chess videos on YouTube. And I talked to you about this a little yeah. bit. Um, and it's changed my way of thinking about chess. I used to play chess as a kid. Um, you, know, you were and, really good at it. I was not really good at it. I was good at it for kids. Like yeah. I was good at it and I was not, no, I wasn't good at it. This is the thing. I was good at it for my school, right? Yeah. But I was never going to like go to chess tournaments and mm-hmm. like kick ass that were outside of my school. Mm-hmm. I was very good at playing at a certain level, which was the level of like me and my the my peers in yeah. grade and junior high, you know, yeah. middle school and junior high. Yeah. Um, and that was because I understood the rules really well but not because I knew how to play well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, understanding the very bare structure of what the, how the game worked gave me a huge advantage. Not, and I don't mean like where the pieces move, but I mean like some fundamental ways in which like, oh, opening up lanes for your rooks yeah. to move. Like you know, plays. Plays, like a little bit, yeah. Fundamental totally. plays. Small, yeah. Not in the sense of like I was studying openings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and I've been watching these YouTube videos about chess, which I'll have written about by now, hopefully. Um, and it's completely changed the way I think about chess, and it's, and, and it's changed the way I think about tactics games, and it's also changed the way I think, I've thought about the year and life. I used to think a lot about chess as about being about peacetaking, about like, okay, I'm going to reach across the board and take your fucking bishop from you, and that's a win in my, in my book. Mm-hmm. And watching these videos has like eradicated the pieces from the board for me and has started to make me think and draw and like think about storytelling and my own life and a million other things in a much blobbier way. Where yeah. like I'm not interested in moving a bishop and taking a rook. I'm interested in doing what chess players talk about developing your position. Um, you're, you're not going for like the headshot you're going to like m- slide up a little bit and, and take a bunker a game that didn't make my list is battlefield five yeah i think that game actually does this really well in an interesting way interesting. where like you're not necessarily looking to like overrun the enemy position you're looking to, to advance yours a little bit and then dig in yeah um, and a good chess player knows when to not go for like the the capture and, and instead dig their and dig their heels in or move up something from the back line forward yeah the best move forward might be moving a pawn yeah. a little bit when you have a moment of safety so that you can start to open up a little bit more and kind of build a wall of pawns. Yeah. It's like a pawn structure. It's a whole thing. Like it's, it's cool. It's fucking fascinating. That's really and that cool. has been really useful for me in this year where it feels like we've slipped backwards in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't, and I mean that in the most personal way, and I mean that in the most broad societal way, and I yeah. mean that for Waypoint, and I'm like, I'm like pretty open-hearted about this stuff. That like, okay, here are our wins, here are our losses. But when you only think about something like, when you when you think about like okay we're gonna go from like transactional the transactional find like what is the what's the bottom line look like yeah 
then you end up like taking the hit way harder than something like we did the Save Point stream this year and we mm-hmm. raised like sixty thousand dollars, seventy thousand dollars, something like that for the Florence project. That's that's developing the board. Yeah. Right. It's like setting new goals, it's opening up the space and being like, okay, that doesn't look like a win in the traditional quote unquote hockey stick growth sense. Yeah. But it helps push a conversation and it helps people in a real way today. And like that stuff has been really useful. And I've come to a lot of that thought through playing these games. So that's mm-hmm. kind of my through line. It's thinking about developing the board versus getting a checkmate, right? That's I, right. Every move doesn't have to be a checkmate. Yeah. And I think that that will come through as we as we talk about our lists. Oh. What is your number 10? My number 10, speaking of puzzle games, yeah. is uh, Picross 2. Oh. Um, Picross is something that I was first introduced to, I think it was on, well, actually, I used to buy, uh, like, uh hand like paper p-cross puzzles like a really long time ago mm-hmm. um and my brother and i used to fill them out together oh, nice and so on the 3ds i remember there was a special um there was p-cross on 3ds but there was also a legend of zelda mm-hmm. uh p-cross game that you could only get with your like my nintendo rewards points mm-hmm. um which i just like totally fell in love with it's like something like that you know math and like yeah. risk reward is like super satisfying to me um, so Picross 2 makes it on my list this year because that's a game that um, has stuck with me. Just a that's game on style. Switch, right? That's on Switch. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of different um, Picross games on Switch now. There's the original Picross. There's one that has anime in it. Hell yeah. Which I just started playing <laughs> and I need to spend a little bit more time with over the break. Um, but yeah, so Picross 2 makes it because... Um, Doing those like small calculations in my head is um, feels really good and feels like I'm exercising a part of my brain that I I remember there was a Picross puzzle in Pokemon Heart and Gold, mm. it, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, in the um, gambling um, when you go to like, like the, the casino, casino or yeah. whatever, and like the way to get like oh, the Porygon or whatever of that game is through a Picross uh, like mini game. And I think that's actually where I was like, okay, are there real games that are like this? Mm-hmm. Um, so Picross 2 makes it for nice. being a great puzzle a game. Puzzle game. I, loved the, I loved the first Picross on 3D. I mean, Picross as a game has been around for a long time, like you yeah. said, but I first got it on the DS and that ended up being really fun. Yeah. Like, I like it so much better than like Sudoku. Which yeah has which, stra- which scratches some itches, but like not enough for me. I, like, I just like having a finished product. Me too. It's like here's a cool little picture, a little yeah. Pixel like art, your your work has like come to something that you can just appreciate from like looking at it at afar. Like yeah. you don't have to like see the mecha- mechanics of what you did. Like you don't have to see how all the numbers aligned and all that stuff. You can like kind of just step back and like look at it a little bit more abstractly and still appreciate the work that's gone in because it all still matters Mm -hmm. even if it's not like the minute three next to the four or whatever yeah yeah totally so totally congrats to Cross 2 for making your list my number 10 we already talked about this week which is sea of thieves so i don't have to go too deep into it but i will say like the thing that i'm thinking about with it a lot is like hey can a game make your top 10 list just because of one session well, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a game on my list last year or two years ago. I think it was two years ago now that I didn't play at all. It was Hitman. I was like, oh, it yeah. made my list just because it was so good to watch. I mean, that was last year's. Um, uh, and Sea of Thieves is a game that, like, I didn't stick with. I didn't 
I haven't followed it super closely. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't like ducked back in to check with every update. Same. But those initial, those initial um, moments were so strong, and we had so many fun experiences. The the Kraken fight that we lost, the uh, stuff with <laughs> the megalodon, the megalodon were so so good. That like second part of that megalodon stream. If you're listening to this. And even after hearing us talk about it already on these pods, you haven't yeah. gone to watch it. If you have time, go watch it is at so least the funny. second part of Waypoint's Megalodon hunting Sea of Thieves extravaganza, mm-hmm. which was you and I plus Rob plus uh, Danica. Yes. Uh, and it was incredible. It was so fun. Um, and it was one of those moments where you see – it takes a lot of confidence, I think, to make a game like Sea of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Because um, you have to have confidence in the fact that the players will yes. have like make their own fun. Yeah, totally, totally. That they will like embody the characters. That they will, you know, take on these personas and really find their own fun in the kind of bare bones of the world that you've presented with mm-hmm. them. And also being so incredibly beautiful helps. Like just being like happy to be in that world is a huge deal. Yeah. Totally. And like those moments make me understand that confidence mm-hmm. because if they were having moments like that in testing and even moments where it's PVP happening, but like that same style of like incredible emergent play and the way the waves move and the way the cannons sound and look mm-hmm. like all that stuff comes together in such a way where like, oh, yeah, of course this game is great. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of forget that I think that like the merchant quests are terrible. Yeah. Um, and that like there isn't really anything besides the moment to moment stuff that keeps me playing that game. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I think I think it's strong for it. And I wouldn't trade that moment that I had in that game for any other moment, I think, in of games this year. Yeah. That that one like two hour session was the best single session of a game I had this year. Yeah. Which doesn't make it my number one game, but does mean it should be on my list. Yeah. It's on my number eight. So um, I'll just say that, yeah, I think that was the most fun I've had playing a video game this year was that stream. Nice. So yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Please do. It's fun. What is your number nine? (laughs) My number nine, Austin, is a game that... I played on my phone. I didn't want to talk to you guys about it at first. Why? I, y'all were like, hey, Natalie, you should come on the podcast this Monday and talk to us about what games you've been playing. I was like, okay, I'll think of some games that I've played. And then at the end of that podcast, they're like, so anything else you're playing? And I was like, I mean, I got this one game that I've been playing like kind of on the side. No one really knows about it. I haven't really talked about it to anyone. I'm not talking about it online. Mm-hmm. And that game is Don Machi Memorial Freeze. Memorial is it, Freeze. Is it um is it is it wrong to try to pick up girls in the dungeon? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> is what I'll say. It's based uh it, it was uh made by Crunchyroll. It came out I think last year actually. I think it came out this year. I could be wrong. It looks like it came out last year. But yeah, okay. So it was last year. Or, yeah, cuz there knows? were some who characters knows? that I think i can no longer get um by the time i already started playing mm-hmm. but um so it was produced by Crunchyroll. it's based on an anime called um is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon i think the i can't remember what the japanese translation is i think it's don machi japanese translation good this is good podcasting <laughs> you find it 
No. I'll find it. You keep talking about the game. Yeah, you find it. it. It's it's something else. It's like, is it wrong to, or like, I can't remember, but it's less bad than is, is it, it wrong, wrong to, to pick, pick up, up to try and pick up girls in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I watched that anime at the beginning of this year. It's a trashy anime. It's not like the you know high quality tier anime that's speaking about you know societal issues and is making great social commentaries but i had a lot of fun watching it at the beginning of this year so i started playing this game oh so you did you watched the show first i watched the show first which honestly i think it's what kept me going for the most part Mm -hmm. i think if i hadn't watched the show first i would have kept playing the game is it wrong that i want to meet you in a dungeon is, is that, that that seems it's it's something like that? It's like yeah. is it wrong to like meet girl or is it is it wrong to like meet up in a dungeon or something? I don't remember. No um, king shaming here at Waypoint. I know absolutely in a not. All you want. Absolutely not. I'll be in dungeons saving boys from minotaurs any day of the week. You can catch me there. Um, but I played this game. It's a gotcha game. It doesn't have um, the combat mechanics are basically you choose an attack and then it automatically you don't have to do anything. It just automatically hits. Right. Um, And there are like three rounds of each sort of like mission has like three enemy battle rounds. Um, And then sometimes there's a boss fight. So I had a lot of fun. Uh, It starts off with like a story mechanic or uh, sorry, a story plot where you um, are basically replaying the anime. And I think if Mm -hmm. I hadn't already watched the anime this year, I would have gone, I would have kept playing because replaying Uh, the story over again in such incremental parts was a slog. Were you were you playing this like daily? Were you like coming in, checking, getting your date, your log? And, like, yeah, so people who 100%. haven't played a gotcha game before, this is a gotcha game too. It's yes, a mobile it is. game, right? So yeah. like the kind of one of the ways in which they work is like you log in in the morning or you log in once a day. Yeah, you get your like whatever the equivalent of like the diamond or the crystal, which is what you use to you save those. There's up. different types of currencies, and yeah. there's the specific currency that you use for uh, summoning characters, mm-hmm. which is like the whole gotcha thing. Is you basically like a gotcha ball game where you put a quarter in and you twist the thing, and yeah. a random little ball comes out, and you get a random toy. Um, it's the same mechanic in the game itself, right? Um, and there are different tiers of characters. There's like, you know, they don't say S rank. They have like different stars, like ultra rare, rare, whatever. Um, so you're incentivized to log in every day to like get these, um, uh, crystals to summon the characters that you want, which, um, had me playing every single, I was you were like really deep. Did you have like a, did you have like a hit list of characters? So like, I've played a few gotcha games over the years. I played, um, we may have recorded a whole thing about me trying to want to get another gotcha game. We right may now. not have. We, we may, may have burned well, it. I may be on fire somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> um, but the but previously to what I'm playing now, I was playing. Um, I played like the Dragon Ball Z one that came out a mm-hmm. few years ago, and I've played. Did um, you play Fire Emblem Heroes? I played Fire Emblem Heroes. I like I put money into Fire Emblem Heroes. Dang. Like I put money into Fire Emblem Heroes. I shouldn't have done it. It's fine. I had a good time. Yeah, I really enjoyed Fire Emblem Heroes. Same. And like the so Fire Emblem Heroes was like I was carrying around a list of 
of Same. characters I wanted to get. Yeah. And was doing the events I needed to get the currency I needed to yeah. make the right pools from the right lists and all yeah. that stuff. And people are yeah. listening right now and going, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm not going to get into it. It's cursed. It is honestly... Gambling. Gambling. Yep. It is not... the the. It's not worth it. Mm-mm. It's not. Mm-mm. And yet I will go back. Mm. Because... The thing is, I and I and I eventually fell off. And I think the main reason why I fell off is I didn't actually. A lot of that information was really hard for me to access. Like, oh, interesting. Knowing who was good or like where, to, what the tier tier lists weren't updated as regularly as like fate I, or yeah, or they Blue. yeah, exactly. So they weren't being updated as as regularly as I was checking. Um, a lot of them were like months old, and there had been like several events since then. So if I had, I'm someone who like makes spreadsheets for games, makes yeah. spreadsheets for collecting items, makes spreadsheets for collecting whatever collectibles games offer. <sighs> and so I had a spreadsheet for this game, but unfortunately there's just so much information missing that I really couldn't hold myself as accountable yeah. to anything. So I, after I want to say like two months of playing this almost every single day, no, every single day, and then I think the last two weeks I started dropping off and not playing every day, and then I stopped. Right. Um, not because of anything, but I just kind of lost interest. Um, I eventually gave up on on being good at Don Machi. And well, for I, when you had it, it was it was this goes this talks to what you were saying at the top of the of the show, right? Which yeah. is like, there's a degree of comfort here. There's a degree of like, I'm gonna just slip into this game and just like have it be going yeah. yeah and my reward is like i get to see characters that i liked in the anime and right. i get to see them in like cute outfits, outfits. yeah there's nothing wrong with that i realized we recorded a side thing about mecha gacha games and i forgot one which one that's did you not forget? A mo- the thing is it's not a mobile game what and it's it? actually not as problematic and horny as the ones i linked you to <laughs> um it's border break which was a straight up ps4 mecha gacha game oh, that no. is like is like straight up a like third person multiplayer shooter that was an arcade game. Um what? Yeah, it's wild, right? And so I I imported this from Japan or it's it was it's free to play, but mm-hmm. but I jumped through some hoops to get some currency. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I enjoyed it a lot, but it nowhere near making my list because since it's not in English, like I'm just not engaging with the with story. the free to play or the the very limited story or the the free to play mechanics or like the gotcha mechanics. Like I want to engage with that stuff. I want this game to come out in English because I want to have a favorite pilot that I'm trying to like save up for or yeah, whatever. Or like yeah, totally. New new mecha robot, you know, bazookas. Mm-hmm. But um, but didn't it didn't even make my top five <laughs> mecha gotcha games <laughs> of 2018. <laughs> Um, Damn. God, that's what we should put that in the feed as. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense to me. That yeah. makes sense to me. What uh, is your number nine? Good question. Uh, it is, uh, I'm just confirming over here, Tetris Effect. Tetris mm. Effect is a game that I saw at E3 and was like, okay, this game seems cool. Um, and I'm, I played it in VR at E3 mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, cool, yeah. Um, and I didn't play it at VR at home and I'm not a big VR person. Yeah. So that's me not that neither. surprising to me. But what the thing that ended up surprising me, like even without VR, that game really affected me. That game gave me this sense of like I felt myself getting better at it in a way that I've never felt myself getting better at Tetris before. Uh, and there is a 
like musical narrative component to that game in which the tempo switches in the levels Mm -hmm. produce a sort of narrative feeling i don't mean that in terms of storytelling but like song composition can have narrative without lyrics right narrative exists in storytelling across medium uh, across media without um without there necessarily being characters in the way we think of them and this game does that super well Mm -hmm. uh i think that there is some stuff in there that like is on some of it rubs me the wrong way because while i really love the kind of humanism and like the belief in all all of humanity that's at the core of it one this year has not given me that feeling Mm -hmm. in the world uh it's part of why i like the game actually is like it was like trying so hard to be optimistic and positive about what humans are at their core. We've talked about that stuff with The Purge a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, and some other stuff we've talked about, like what is human nature? What is, is there such a thing as the state of nature? Mm-hmm. Tetris Effects is like, yes, there is. And it does two things. It connects to other people and it does cool puzzles. <laughs> it does, it finds lines in things. It, may, it brings structure to the world, right? Uh-huh. Maybe, right? I don't know. If I finds know. patterns. Finds whatever. patterns, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is just so, it completely pulled me in. And for about two weeks, every night I went home and I did a few, I did a few runs. I went through like a couple of like the main levels or I would do the side modes. Mm-hmm. For a couple of weekends, I played to get like contribute to like the big weekend goal that, that was happening in the game, um, uh, and uh, there are just so many striking things. And it's it's one of those things for me where like I want to call out attention to games that are. Um, I do a lot of stuff that's like, oh, I love the story in this. I'm very story minded. People know that about me. Mm-hmm. But there are sometimes I want to admire. Sometimes games can be like statues, right? Sometimes games can be like water fountains. Sometimes games can be like a meal. Right. Uh, sometimes a game will be a snack. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Uh, we already talked about yours. Uh, <laughs> um, but the but in this case, it was very much a situation of like, let me just like be in this thing, let it wash over me, push myself as a as a Tetris player to a place I've never had to push myself before. Like yeah. getting through that final level was really fucking hard. The yeah. speed ramps up, and you're just like starting to see things. It made me pay more attention to. Like the board, again, developing a position in a sense, right? Yeah. Previously, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna make the one, the one kind of like canal for the for the big long pieces. Yeah. Like, that is it. I'm still basically doing that, but it got me to a place where, when I could tell things were starting to go bad, I wouldn't just freak out and be like, ah, there's so many pieces. Ah, I'm just gonna yeah. ah. I'd be like, okay, like, how do I make this better? How do I start making moves? How do I just get one line? How do I just get one line? Let me take the one line. I don't need to get a Tetris all the time. I don't need to like, if I'm going for a Tetris, I'm going to keep fucking up. Let me just start clearing away what's on my plate and like, I'll get back to being okay. Yeah. It's okay. Let the song come over, like wash over me. You know what I mean? We are all connected, lady who is singing. (laughs) Those are some camels. I don't know why they're walking there. You know what? Okay, cool. Um, So yeah, that is my, that is my number nine. Yeah, I feel like that music creates such an incentive to get better at a game that, like, Tetris, why, I don't know, unless you are really interested in getting better at those games. Right, But, right. like, yes. wanting to, like, finish that song all the way through or, like, wanting yeah. to kind of, like, move through to, like, the next innovative puzzle, I think, um, is the thing about that game. Yeah. I, they're really fun, and they're they're yeah. like I just I really want that soundtrack. I really want to listen to the, all those. Oh those yeah, songs that'd really be great. Fun. You said your number eight was Sea of Thieves. Yeah, Do you have anything so else to add there? Do you want to jump ahead? I think I'm good. All right, let's jump ahead to your number seven. My number seven is Monster Hunter World, which we already did a podcast we did. on. 
So I won't say too much again here. Um, I, again, will just re- reiterate that I think that game does such an incredible job with scale, with creating um, uh, living environments, with creating um, interaction between um, non-playable characters, like AI and, and the monsters and everything. Um, and has a problematic narrative. Yeah, and go I, listen to us. We go we go pretty yeah. deep, and this was the first one that we released of our year-end pods, I think. Yeah. And uh, it was really fun to have that conversation. If you want to hear more about that, please go listen to it. It's also on my list. It is my number four game of the year. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed my time with it, though I had some reservations. Like, mm-hmm. uh, those reservations I think that team can fix, and, like, I want to underscore that here, which mm-hmm. is, like, there are ways to tell stories. There are ways to tell stories in which you're hunting things that I am comfortable with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not only by making all of the Rathaloses like Nazis. Nazis. That's exactly where <laughs> I was going. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you could do that, but you don't need to do that. Like yeah. there are ways to tell stories about about people who are hunting that I'm comfortable with. But like, or that I'm at least like, yeah, I'll deal with it. Uh, yeah. I, like I did it with this one. Fucking, I did it. It's on my list. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you can do even. I can compartmentalize and start for certain things for sure. But like there was su- such an overbearing tone of that stuff that was a bummer um, because mm-hmm. it detracted from what was one of my favorite games of the year bar none like i am so glad i finally had a chance to get into that fucking series i've tried so many times and bounced off and still we didn't i didn't beat this game like Mm -hmm. i didn't beat it we're so close to beating the the base content i just never got there but um i still really enjoyed it and and i hope there are things i want though it's kind of interesting right because there's a tension in that game between this narrative of like consumption and expansion and kind of you know, anthropocentrism mm-hmm. with a devotion to rendering the non-human, mm-hmm. right? Like animals in games are so poorly rendered all the time. One of my other games on this list that we'll get to is No Man's Sky Next. Mm-hmm. I think there's some cool looking animals in that game and they've gotten so much better at the way that they move. But their, but they behavior, still, is... their behavior is nothing like Monster um, Monster World, uh, Monster Hunter. <laughs> I'm tired. Monster Hunter World. Monster Worlds. Monster Worlds. Yeah, exactly. That's my Apocalypse World expansion for playing Monster Hunter. In. Um, Monster Hunter, the creatures of Monster Hunter move in such convincing ways. Yeah, there's such been intentional such a ways. care take. Yeah, yeah it, intentionality is like yeah. the exact thing is that there's been such a devotion to creating this realism into creating like a a i don't know what the right word is but and it's not like humanity because these aren't you know they're not humans but they are living things they're they're breathing and they're hurting and they're interacting and that stuff is so meticulous and takes so much work also just like fundamentally in terms of the mechanics and technology that goes into that takes work totally and so that odds that you're talking about i think is so striking to feel yeah and I, I one of the things i always want is like for people to take lessons from big breakout hits and you know we kind of see that in the breadth of post dark souls games right like you and i both have games on our list that don't exist without dark souls right mm-hmm. in your case literally because there's like a direct <laughs> connection but in in my case with something like that we're coming up on we're coming up on ashen is on my list and like mm-hmm. that game obviously is a descendant from dark souls but it is also for me, that's a good thing. Like, there's a way in which you're like, oh, this is derivative. And there are times when things can feel derivative. There are definitely times in, in games where you're like, 
this is just this other game with the fucking numbers filed off right or like oh this isn't really doing anything particularly interesting but when i look at like the descendants of dark souls when i look at neo or when i look at uh ashen like oh these are doing different things 100 percent. yeah um and for me the one of the things i want people to take from from uh monster hunter is um to do take that that devotion to like showing animals in and non-human entities giving them character giving them life making them feel like real things that mm-hmm. have their own like you said intentionality and and motivation mm-hmm. and a breadth of expression you know mm-hmm. um even if that means making me feel bad because I, I heard it you know make me feel bad fucking yeah. make me feel bad video games please <laughs> um let's get a little bit further before we take a break but we will take a break soon um my wait is, did you did i just go did, did you, you just go do... you oh just no what's Hunter. your seven uh, Frozen Synapse 2, which is the first of the tactics games on this list, mm-hmm. um, which uh, we streamed a couple of times. We did like a big world premiere thing, and then I yeah. showed it off, I think, a second time deeper in my game, maybe. So I could be confused because <laughs> there was one night where I had such an amazing moment that I stopped everything I was doing. I... All right, let me set up a Frozen Steps 2. Frozen Steps 2 is a tactics, is a cyberpunk tactics game mm-hmm. in which you are hired by a cyberpunk world, a, a city, like the last great city in the world that is part – it's sort of like a city that is a combination of the material and virtual mm-hmm. spaces. There are AI, major AI players in the city. In the city. Uh, there are – Lots of competing factions. And mm-hmm. you are hired to figure out what the fuck is going on with these things called the incursions, where these strange relics show up in the map, and they offer strange powers to whoever has them. You need to get them and prevent the other factions from getting them, because if you don't prevent the other factions from getting them, you end up they end up uh, becoming too powerful for you to deal with, and will take over the world, basically. Uh, and take over the city. They become, they become the leadership of the city, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so there are two kind of things that I loved about this. And there's, one is high level and one is down on the ground. The down on the ground example is – so it is a – unlike something like Battletech or XCOM 2 uh, or Into the Breach, it's a game in which both you and your opposition go at the same time. You kind of plot out moves for all of your units and then you hit play and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You can also plot out moves for your opponents and see like – and guess at what they might do. So you might be like, okay, well, they, I know they have a sniper down that corridor – I bet they'll turn the corner and set up and take position and hold their gun out and let's let's test let's do a quick test run and see if I can get my shotgunner behind cover quick enough so that they can close in on the sniper and take them out right mm-hmm. so you end up doing a lot of like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna like poke away at this I'm mm-hmm. gonna like f- figure out the best possible outcome and then of course you hit play and like maybe <laughs> you guess right and you feel like a genius but a lot of times you guess. 60% right. And yeah. like, oh yeah, the sniper is there, but the but there's also an assault rifle guy who can draw a bead on your shotgun or quicker than you can imagine. Um, and so that stuff ends up doing, again, this, this idea of developing position and like letting, letting the chips fall a little bit, right? You're like, okay, I have a general strategy. Instead of just having tactics, I'm going to have this kind of big picture plan for how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. And that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize that through moment-to-moment tactical thinking. Um, and so that's already really cool. And in one case, I had this incredible siege of a base. And I to kind of get into why this matters. I have to talk about the big picture. Mm-hmm. This is a game that in XCOM, you play as XCOM, the group that wants to fight the aliens. And all the, the, the countries are like, yeah, we're all going to fight the aliens together. Mm-hmm. In real life, if you had a group of extra territorial 
soldiers who were allowed to commit violence wherever they wanted in the world, they would immediately be politicized. Yeah. Who is funding them? Uh, how is that funding given? Um, would they be responding more quickly to certain places than other places? And the XCOM games get a little tiny, 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 tiny bit of that. Mm-hmm. This game is all of that. As soon as you start, as soon as you start, before the first incursion even happens, you get a call from someone in the world, in the city, who is like, hey, yeah, uh, could you come blockade this road for a little bit? And you're like, what? And they're like, we'll pay you. Uh, we'll pay you some money for it. Mm-hmm. Or they won't. They'll just say, can you come do this? And you go like, no. And they go, okay, well, I'm going to cut your funding. And you're like, what the fuck? What do you mean you're going to cut my funding? You go out and you get into a fight and you stop like a weird wave of uh, like vat grown mercenaries from seizing one of these things. And you get a bill from the local department of services because a couple of your bullets hit a tree outside. Um, it all takes Aren't place- you pre- Yeah. Uh-huh. You sure are. But you know, so, maybe, what if you weren't there? What if yeah? What if you weren't there? And so, this is the thing that ends up happening: is the the city is a proc gen city. It's a procedurally generated city. Mm-hmm. All the buildings you can go inside. There are parks you can have gunfights in. It procedurally generates what's inside of those buildings. It's all very like low poly, like cyber future look. You should look it up just to see what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, and the thing that ends up happening is you end up kind of starting to get to a position where certain factions fucking hate you because they start wanting to go for these relics. Um, and certain certain districts start to hate you because you're not protecting them anymore, or mm-hmm. you're you haven't done a favor for them in a long time, right? Um, and they start cutting your funding, which means okay, well I have to get funding somewhere. So I guess I'll start by the end of this game. I should have had two or three soldiers set up um, because you kind of build out like a collection of soldiers, uh, just doing deliveries, just constantly taking a box and then running it across the city, like basically being like armed FedEx guys because <laughs> I just needed a stream of money to come in so I could yeah. keep healing people and upgrading my equipment so and stuff like that. So you can do those missions along, you can kind of yeah, delegate. Yeah, it's an open world game. You're delegating, you're sending okay. teams across, blah, blah, blah. So like, again, okay. and I did. I had a group that was eventually like, all right, well, I'm trying to keep this like university on my side, so I'm going to keep doing missions for them. They need me to protect a building for an hour or for eight hours. I'll send these four people gotcha. to go do that while my main squad is looking for these incursions. And by the end of that game, or so, the 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 siege that I'm talking about, there is a moment where I start to run afoul of this dude. I forget, I forget his name, but he, wrote, he ran a group in the game called like Safe Tech or Safe Safeguard. And they were like a group of PMCs. They were like private military, private security assholes, right? Um, you know, the, the, there's a range of factions that include like cyber anarchists and uh, again academia and government. It's a whole mix of things, right? Interesting. A, a, like AI who want to be free and blah blah blah. This guy's an asshole, and he has like the military he needs to beat the shit out of me if he wants to. Mm-hmm. I know this because I failed my first Frozen Synapse two campaign because he came and found me. And killed me, killed Austin, because your unit exists in the world. And I foolishly sent all my dudes off somewhere else. I did not leave a squad behind to protect me. And so he just rolled into my home headquarters and beat the shit and just killed me. Just like shot me with a pistol. So one night, I he has been a fucking pain in my ass. And I hit a point in the story where he starts to be a pain in the ass. Is there permadeath for your for everything? I mean, there's, you could you could save scum. You can totally just like right. Learn an old but save if for you want your to. so f- what happened to Austin? Oh, I died. I that was the end of that campaign. I could have loaded back an old save, but I was like, no, fuck it. I'm gonna start over. So I'm, you started over from from scratch, hundred percent. I was only a couple hours in, and like I pissed him off right away because I didn't understand. 
you have to say no to things in this game. And in mm-hmm. most tactics games, you don't say no. Someone yeah, says, Yeah, because like, you need to... Yeah, but when he... But when someone... When the university was like, hey, could you go... In the previous game, what had happened was, I think it was actually the, the city government was like, hey, uh, the PMCs took over the airport. Can you go get them out of there? And I was like, yeah, sure, totally. And I did that. And then he called me and was like, hey, don't interfere with me ever again. I was like, you know what? Fuck you. And I was like, I'll get you in the streets. And so I intercepted one of their hit squads in the oh, streets and killed shit. him. And I was like, what's good? What's good? I think his name was like Et Par or something. I was like, what's good, Par? You know, you, you're bogey. You're not a Par. Et Tu Par? Et Tu Par? Thank you. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, yeah, okay. Knock, <laughs> knock, knock. Blap. You're dead. And I was like, oh, shit. This is that game? Wow. This is the game where I have to be worried about stepping on other factional toes like because I don't want to make Because you're not the mad. only operator here. Right, exactly. Yeah. So... But I was like, I'm gonna step. All, I'm gonna step on his whole foot. I'm just gonna just like boom. So you went all the way in. The next so I went all the way in on my second play and found him and had this incredible long siege where I sent six dudes to their HQ. It was just like heat style, like long, um, like a uh, highway that went right up to his his like HQ, and he must have had like thirty people in there. And the... one night, I called up Rob and walked him through what had happened because I. In the game, you can kind of walk, you can step by step your way through it. And we were going to save it and send it out and put it on on uh, Twitch as like a mm-hmm. VOD. But my computer's motherboard has been so fucked up and it oh, just like no. did not save right. It was all fucked up. I'm so bummed because it was such a good, fun thing to like walk through how I'd done this perfect siege yeah. and finally revealed him. And he was like in, I like, cleared out his whole office and then found that he was in the front like reception hall just waiting with a pistol for me. And I just like, I just didn't check there. I didn't realize that room had been there. I'd gone like around it through some yeah. side corridors and it was like such a compelling thing. And like I killed him. And then afterwards you kind of get a choice, which is like, all right, his faction is off the map, but you can decide either, to kill him and that quits the main story and it just becomes a simulation game of like who can run the city or you can like fake his death but he stays on as an NPC in the story because he has to say and do things in the, the yeah. kind of scenes that come. Yeah. Um, it's a game that like doesn't do a few things I love about tactics games like the characters the the individual soldiers don't matter at all. They yeah. are all like that grown mercenaries and so like while I might be like oh yeah I need my shotgunner I don't know any of my characters' names. And you know that stuff matters a lot to me. So that's why it's not yeah. higher on my list. Mm-hmm. But all that shit I just said is why it's still on my list. Like, yeah. th- I love systemic narration mm-hmm. or I love tactics games that present those sorts of challenges and that interlocking between what's happening in the big city and what was happening in my little moment-to-moment gameplay was so, so, so good Yeah. Um, that that I had to had to give it some recognition. I really wish we had streamed a little bit more of it, but you know how streaming went this year. So. Yep. Uh, well, what congratulations is... to Frozen Synapse too. Yeah, hell yeah. Or Frozen Synapse, which is the way the British people Synops. say. Synops. Synops. <laughs> uh, what is your number six? My number six is Into the Breach. Oh, wow. So that we did an episode on. We did. You haven't heard it yet. You have not. That'll be tomorrow, I believe. Tomorrow. We go super deep into yeah. it. Um, so again, I won't say too much here. Um, because you can find me, Austin, Danielle, Rob. No, no, Cotto. Cotto. Cotto's thoughts. Yeah. On Into the Breach, tomorrow totally. probably. If yeah, I think this that's is right. right. Yep. Um, but I think Into the Breach, uh, was such a fantastic game. I'm so so glad that we got a tactics game on the Switch this yeah. year, that felt good and was like super satisfying. Yeah. 
Um, Into the Breach did really interesting things with um, like mechanics of permadeath in uh, that that are you know almost inherent to tactics games or to strategy games, uh, but did an interest more interesting things with um, regeneration and renewal mm-hmm. and being able to have um, new opportunities and to try again. And uh, I really appreciated that. Yeah. So definitely stay tuned for more on Into the Breach. Yeah, listen, we go deep. If you have questions about that game, let me tell you, we answer, we try our best to answer them. We went really far into it, which yeah, is why I'm yeah. being very, very... Uh, Unsurprisingly, it is also on my list, but I won't spoil when yet, and we'll get there when we yes. get there. Um, What's your number six? My number six is Ashen, a oh, game... Oh, God, I really... You should get to it. Really want to get... I almost started I it really like two it. nights ago, and yeah. then I went to sleep. It so. is... God, it is... It is. It was such a nice surprise for me this year. It, um... I... You had I'd, seen it before. I'd seen it a number... For years, I'd seen it. Yeah. At PAXs and E3 and, like, you know, pre-E3 Judges Week. And every time I was like... Seems cool. I hope it comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my best as a critic not to overemphasize polish as a thing that makes a game quote unquote good. Yeah. Because polish is an economic resource that a lot of game makers don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, polish uh, is about iteration. It's about having access to graphic, uh, you know, graphic design resources. Mm-hmm. It's about having the time to take something and work on it over and over and over again until it's perfect. And those things all cost money. Yeah. Um, the strangest thing, or the thing for me is like, I could tell the heart of it. It's, it's like Ashen ends up being the argument for Polish and also the argument that maybe Polish isn't enough in some ways, right? Because in some ways I think it's more Polish. It, so it's more Polish than I'd ever seen it before. And that's part of what struck me about it when I finally sat down to play it after the Game Awards was like, oh, there's oh, like... Oh, damn, it came together. It came together. Yeah. There's voice acting here. There's like, uh, there, were, there were cuts. Like there was a trailer that hit where I saw like big animals doing things in the world. It was like a giant weird like flying fish dog mm-hmm. thing that you kind of get. You end up getting one as like a fast travel option. There's oh, a, nice. a giant one in the world at one place. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I didn't see anything like that when I saw this game before. This is cool as hell. Um, and so like those animations, the voice acting from all the major NPCs, the music, um, the UI, all that stuff is polished. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of that I hadn't seen and it added a lot. So like on one hand, I came away being like, I really like this game partially because it felt it felt grander and and shinier than I thought it would be. On the other hand, the core of that game are things that are not just pure polish. The core of that game is like the sense of a community in your HQ. So it's a it's a Souls style game mm-hmm. um, in which you have deliberate combat and you know R one light attack, R two heavy attack. You have shields in your offhand, but it doesn't go deep the way Dark Souls does or Bloodborne or any of the other Souls uh, adjacent things, except for maybe Hollow Knight, where mm-hmm. like primarily what you end up doing is collecting kind of things that, that there's no stats. There's no like traditional like here's my strength, here's my speed, here's mm-hmm. my whatever. Instead, you get some talismans and uh, a relic that uh, are like 
the they, badge system. It's in sort of Hollow like the badge Knight. system in Hollow Knight. It's not as expansive as that. Hollow mm-hmm. Knight is way more expansive, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but there's still some cool stuff. The one that, that I give the example of on the podcast before is you get a mask after you beat the first boss mm-hmm. that does a thing where every time you get a hit in, you get a glowy orb that orbits your head or kind of hovers around your head. And then every time you get a hit, every up to five times, you get another one of those. And each time you do a hit, they fly off and hit the enemy you're, so you're hitting. Rad. And it just looks really cool, right? Yeah. There's one that's like a mask that grows every 15 or 20 seconds until it's like this huge, cool, weird, like, bone mask with, mm-hmm. like, little branches coming off. And that ends up protecting you from one hit. The, will... Do those feel... Yeah. My build felt completely different, right? Because yeah. when I was doing the one with, like, the little orb, magic yeah. orb, that was, like, hit fast. Hit fast, 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 fast. Yeah. Right? And so, whereas when I'm doing the one that's, like, this is going to guard me from one hit, I can take bigger single swings, yeah. right? Um and so that stuff was cool, and it's there, but what really struck me was the soul of the game, the the spirit of of optimism. Um, it believes in infrastructure. It believes in community building. Dark Souls occasionally does those things, right? Like, I think Majula is, which is the Dark Souls 2 home hub mm-hmm. town, is, like, a place you really learn to love to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so much more the case in this game where... You go out in the world and people sound like Dark Souls NPCs. They say stuff like, don't step on my fire or whatever, right? Doth ye. Doth ye, doth ye burn from the light or whatever, right? Um, people like complaining about the light because this is a game in which light has already returned. And uh-huh. It's not a world in which the light is fading. It's a, it's a world where like light arrives yeah. and now what? Uh, we have to protect it. We have to mm-hmm. protect it because it's letting us do things. This is yeah. it. Kind of answers the question. Like Dark Souls, kind of says like, wouldn't we be better if we just went to a fucking age of dark, than an age of humanity and griminess, and like the gods are all fucking dead and we know it, and we can put this age of myth behind us, and we can just recognize that the world is mortal and yeah. no one needs to live forever, and and that f- for that game, like darkness is the metaphor for not progress, but for like dirty, grimy progress, right? Um, and and the light was always kind of tied to these old ideals that we shouldn't have trusted in the first place. Yeah. Maybe. That's one reading. There's mm-hmm. a lot of readings. In in Ashen, the light is the thing that lets us build homes. The light is the thing that lets us build roads. It's the thing that lets us, you know, collect uh, people together in a single place, right? Like, it's the thing that lets us communicate with each other. And so over the course of the game, that home place, which begins as a couple of rocks – and a campfire slowly becomes a community as major NPCs come in and set up shop and, like, the music changes in their place. Whenever you go to like, their little corner of the town that's mm-hmm. emerging, a new instrument comes in to represent so them. Cool. But even just the random people around town who show up um, are very clearly – they used to be the people who sounded like Dark Souls NPCs. And they show up and they're like, yeah, I might stay here for a little while. Or, like, you know, this is the longest that I've I've ever been in one place. Or, like – um, my eyes are finally starting to adjust to the light or like, oh, the, the sound of the river nearby is beautiful. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, wow, like you're slowly becoming something more than this. Um, and again, I think there's some critical readings that you can make around what this what this vision is of, you know, um, like uh, 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 sedentary society versus nomadic society. And like there, there's reads that you can make of it. But I think mm-hmm. fundamentally what it is invested in is the idea that like to take care of people. One, we should take care of people. Yeah, we should not be. We should not be this kind of like libertarian. Everyone's out for themselves. No trust. You know, trust that someone else will take care of you. If believe in go bad. horizontal organization. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so this is this ends up being very much in that in that space where yeah. it's like you can literally see the town being built around you. 
Um, and then as a game, there are moments where it felt almost like a walking simulator to me. It's never as hard as Dark Souls is. There were a couple of really, really tough spikes in difficulty mm-hmm. that I liked. It, it, it's it's weird because like in the moment, I was frustrated. Yeah. And it felt like a betrayal of the game's values. There's a moment um, called the Seat of the Matriarch, which is like the second big dungeon in the game. And it is this dark like hard to navigate thing this game does a lot with light and shadow like you're carrying a torch around or you're carrying around a, a lantern or you're carrying a lantern around mm-hmm. which casts beautiful real-time shadows like it's gorgeous um but you get there and you are just like thrown off the fucking deep end the enemies are harder than anything you fought before it's really hard it's it's so long between your kind of up top save zone and your bottom of the of the dungeon save zone yeah. before the boss um, and I got there once and didn't hit the checkpoint right. Or no, I did, and then I fast-traveled away thinking I could fast-travel back to it. And you can't fast-travel to the one that's inside the dungeon. You can only reload there. And I was like, fucking, you're kidding me. I was so upset. But a few hours later, I ended up really enjoying that experience. One, because, you know, it makes you fear the dark in a way. It yeah. makes you understand why the dark was so scary for the people in this world for so long. Yeah. And it very real. It very materially says like, no. When it is light outside, you can build stairs, and you know where the stairs are because <laughs> you can see them, and you're not gonna fall off a fucking cliff. Yeah. Down here, you cannot see where the stairs are. Yeah. You will fall off a cliff, or you can kind of see who who has access to the light, who has access to the the infrastructure, right? And yeah. Like, there's no like accessibility to like innovation or or accessibility to accessibility, yeah, right? And in, yeah. like very literally, yeah, right? Yeah. Um. This is one of those, th- and and that ended up being really interesting. And so, like an hour or two later, even though there had been this really high spike of difficulty, I ended up being like, all right, cool. And the other thing it does is, from the jump, you have an AI partner or a human partner. Um, the AI characters are either, or the, the characters who are with you are always the villagers from the town, the, the named yeah. villagers, but they either play as an AI character or as a, uh, a person online journey style who kind of filters into your game. You used a uh, AI character Almost all the way through, predominantly. Right? I used, there were some cool moments with, with, um, with other uh, people, but I was playing kind of before the like it so wasn't you pre-release. To... You can turn off multiplayer, and so say, if you were like wanted to help someone else, would yes. you like load into their game and like move? I don't fucking know. I would hang out. What I would do is hang out near the like campfire stone type things because that's where people that tends to be where the connection ends up happening. It mm-hmm. seems you could also choose to connect to another player directly. Mm-hmm. I think it sets you up based on where you are in the story or something. I, I honestly don't know enough yeah. because I got about four hours in. It was like, ah, I kind of just want the predictability of the AI. Yeah. Right? That um, makes sense. If, I, if I'd had a friend playing on Xbox, I, we could have just connected and yeah. that would have been really fun, I think. Yeah. Because – I'll hit you up when I start. Please hit me up. I'll play through. Seriously. Really? Yeah, yeah, totally. I That'll really, really liked it. So that's the, where I'm going with all this is like – because of that, because of having an AI partner, because the combat isn't as intense, there was a degree to which it was like some uh, walking simulators. Uh, I'm thinking of stuff like Connor Sherlock's stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff. Mm. Very environmental, very um, – or atmospheric, very much about the, the, the vibe of a place, um, so, sometimes about the history of a place, but, but communicated through architecture and light and sound mm-hmm. more than like here's a tablet where it says this happened. Um, and so I ended up just having this this experience of like 
walking around and taking photos photos dia did this great piece for us this year on photo on games without photo modes and it mm-hmm. really resonated with me and it, it, she was basically saying like you don't need a photo mode to take good photos yeah right? uh and she's taken such incredible it, photos in games that do in not that barely that, like, even have a first person mode yeah you know and yeah. this game got me thinking like that there were so many times where i was like if i back myself up against the wall my character will disappear and i'll get a pretty clean photo of the space so i got into that stuff um and also just like Moments where I would record little videos to capture the feeling of being in a living space. Um, and nothing had done that for me this year. I so badly wanted something to. And it showed up and I just really enjoyed it. And it, it I don't know, like it, it, I want that team to make another one of these so bad because yeah. they've clearly learned a lot by the end of that game, especially. That game ends really, really, really well. Um, the, the last boss fight is really hard, but like the final dungeon is gorgeous. The entire final area is just like breathtaking. Yeah. Um, and I'm so excited to see what they do next. Awesome. Totally. That was my Cheers number. Cheers to December. Cheers to December. That was my number six. That was your number six. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we'll hear about five through one. Does that sound good? And some honorable mentions. And some honorable mentions. Okay. And some honorable mentions. <laughs> BRB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Number five. I think this is the only list this game is on. Here. It is. I'm the only one that has it. It's because you're Gen Z. Fuck you, Austin. Absolutely. I can't believe in this here day of... Undisclosed uh-huh. number in December uh-huh. that we are recording this podcast. You just called me Gen Z. You were born in 2000, so I was. And you know what? Fortnite is my top f- number five game this year. <laughs> more like Five Night. Five Night, baby. <laughs> Let me floss on over and <laughs> dab it for my fave game. Oh my! As God. they say, um. Thank you, Kato, for dabbing it for our fave game. I don't think this is on Kato's list. This isn't on your list. This is only on my list because no. Fortnite, earlier this year, yeah, we did a thing. What? At the end of last year, Austin, you and I talked and we were like, you came up with this brilliant idea, I remember. It was either at the end of last year or at the very beginning of this year. And you were like, we should do a Fortnite, a Fortnite we should play Fortnite for 14 days, and and I don't want so anyone else. I to... have to credit someone because I did not come up with Fortnite. Fortnite. Oh shit! It starts with this is a message from Janine Hawkins last year, or at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, where she says, "Okay, hear me out. Fortnite, Fortnite, where you stream Fortnite once every two weeks." And I was like, oh, no, what if it's the other thing where we stream Fortnite every, every day, day for, for two, two weeks? Because that's a Fortnite. Yeah. And we did it. And I actually didn't play that much during that time because I was still in school. Oh, right. So y'all went 
into Fortnite. We did. This was, I don't even know which season of Fortnite this was. Four, five, three. Earlier than that. Because we're in seven right now. That must have been like season two or three. Um, Three, I think. Three? Yeah. So... Y'all played it, and I watched you guys play, and I was like, all my friends love this game. I, like, am not into it that much. Like, this seems fine. Then what started happening is one of my best friends started coming over and playing Fortnite at my house because his roommate took his Xbox home. So he didn't have access to Fortnite anymore, so he started coming over and playing Fortnite at my house. And I was watching him, and I was like, can you just, like, coach me a couple times and, like, coach me... While I play mm-hmm. Fortnite and just like tell me what I should be doing. And we did that for like a few weeks and then <laughs> Fortnite came out on Switch. Uh huh. I just remembered where this is all going. And there is a beautiful moment that happened in this here lobby one. Right there. Right, right there on that couch where I was sitting here. It was late. Mm hmm. It was the middle of the summer, I believe. I uh, believe. June 29th. June 29th. Thank you. I was sitting here and I was playing Fortnite on my Switch handheld mode with my headphones on. Austin, you were sitting in the big chair. I was. Joel was hanging out um, as Joel does. Uh-huh. And suddenly. Yeah, you got. You seemed excited. I got a Fortnite win. I What's got a victory called? royale, there baby. It is, there it is. There it is. And I remember exactly how it happened. I the joyous gamers logged on. The joyous gamer logged on. She took over me. <laughs> she possessed me, if you will. Uh huh. And there were three people left. I sniped the third person from like super Damn. far away, and I was like, I. Something's happening here. You feel it. I was like, mm, 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 I'm on something. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's one, one and one, and I don't know where they are, and I'm building up, building up, building up, and then I see them b- below me, and I just took a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I could have absolutely died. died. I should have taken fall yeah. damage, and I took no fall damage, and I don't know how I managed that. And I The joyous gamer caught you. The joyous gamer caught me in her on the ground. in her angel arms yeah. and set me down, and I got the headshot for the oh, win. Angel Arms is another mecha <laughs> gotcha game. Coming out in 2019. 2019. Looking yeah, forward yeah. to it. Um, so, yeah, Fortnite makes it on my list. I will say that uh, fuck Epic Games for mm-hmm. a lot of shit at this point. Um, right now, my current qualm with them is not playing... Not playing, not paying content creators, predominantly black content creators, for um, their dances. Dances, yeah. and I, I, we so we had this conversation recently on a pod yeah, about it. And had, I, I realized the thing that I wanted to say that I didn't say. I like, had it in my brain that we got distracted and we didn't get back. Yeah. Which is like, if you're listening to these conversations and you're like, I don't get why they think that that you know uh, uh, Alfonso Riviera should be paid for the Carlton dance or why. Uh, two million should be paid for for the Millie Rock. Um, imagine if in Avengers Endgame, Peter Parker returns, 
and just like, hey, everybody, it's me, Peter Parker. And I got a new thing called the spider dance. And he like does a spider dance and he does like a little move. And then Epic puts that shit in Fortnite. And they're like arachnid. The arachnid jig. jig. Yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, you better bet that Disney would be on that fucking phone immediately. And we'll get that shit taken down. And we'll get, or get paid. Or, yeah, Make that's the what the real thing. That because is the thing they, they literally put... did with Thanos. Yeah, uh-huh. Yes. And that's why it's so fucking frustrating that... to see people right. be Copyright... taken advantage of. IP laws were created to protect creators, not to protect corporations. Like, that is the reason they exist. I will say that, like, um, America surprisingly has certain laws around trademark and copyright that are still good for creators. Mm -hmm. But by and large, it has not been good for creators. Mm -hmm. By and large, what it has done is locked up IP for corporations and has made protecting your work so much easier if you are already a fucking millionaire or billionaire, if you're already a mega corporation who can afford the best attorneys and who can make those those plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that more creators come out and push for some sort of system to be put into place for creators, again, largely black, not only, but largely. Backpack Kid is really trying to, trying to be <laughs> trying part to of this right now. Listen, listen, shit. sometimes... Listen, maybe maybe having a white kid involved is going to make them a little more shook. Who could fucking say at this point? But again, like you would not be surprised if a major if a major corporation had pushed them back on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Consider that individual artists deserve that same protection too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not and saying also, it's like guilt you to not you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like I would like to see like in the Alfonso Rubiero situation. Yeah. What if? I forget what network Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on. Sure. What if CBS, probably. CBS, I think it was. Um, I th- thought it was Fox. It's not Fox. I know it's not Fox. I think it's CBS or NBC. 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 If NBC had any sort of ownership to that, or like, I don't know what that, Who like, that knows? contract, but like, so, like, as much support as we can be giving to, and especially like from other, like, I don't yeah. know, other people with lots of money that can like provide that, um, I think there there is power in numbers, even if Epic could, you know, just get rid of this in one fell swoop. At least there's uh, power in numbers in terms of pressure, in yeah. terms of public, uh, uh, the public noticing, in terms of reputation. So fuck Epic, but um, thanks for the victory royale. And uh, I will... Pass it to you for you already said your number five. Did I say my number five? No, I I said my number six. Did I say my number five? I thought you said it earlier. I have to look at another. No, you didn't. Came through for you unordered for some reason or unnumbered. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles four, and like here's a fun game that I can play. Do you want to hear what I think about Valkyria Chronicles four? Go to the internet. Okay. Then you type in. Hold on, let me go to internet.com. Go to (laughs) internet.com. Wait one second. Can we go there? What's that? Where does that go? I don't even know what this is. The internet starts here. Who owns internet.com? You can buy domains from it. Okay, buy. Buy. This looks bad. Type in uh, anime. No, type in. Anime. Type in. Type in three moves ahead. Moves ahead. uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4. Valkyria Chronicles. And you'll get to episode 448 of Three Moves Ahead, which is a podcast that uh, one Rob Zachney hosts from time to time. And in this episode, he hosted one about Valkyria Chronicles 4, along with me and Heather Alexandra from Kotaku. 
and we spent an hour and 45 minutes digging into everything you could ever want us to talk about with Valkyria Chronicles. That's amazing. For On my birthday, you did it. We did. We did. I, it was happy birthday. Thank you. You should listen to this because I get into anime. I get into – if you want my grand theory of like shonen anime and – Kind of like why characters are so much more, so much larger than life, and why anime is so like outrageous in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And you want me to compare that to like schools of painting in like European painting schools? I do Hell that yeah. in this episode. So go Hell listen yeah. to that. Um, but I like I like the character driven. There's like the opposite of Frozen Synapse in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a game that has no procedural generation. It is not interested in in you know systemic storytelling in terms of factions in the in the right exactly and like my personal story that only happened to me it is interesting telling a specific story about a car a crew of anime soldiers who are behind enemy lines who are cut off from supplies and who are making one big push to try to save the day um and there is some systemic stuff in the way of like i don't have you ever played one of these before um i started valkyria chronicles um the one that came out on PS4 yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, so it was like a the remaster of yes. the original one. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. So I've again been uh meaning to finish that They're one really and cool. then play four. Um they do they do some stuff around like characters who have specific traits mm-hmm. that show up. Like the ones that are easy to talk about are like City Boy or whatever, which means like when you're inside of a city you get extra accuracy. Mm-hmm. You're like Yeah. Hates the Imperials, does double damage sometimes when fighting an Imperial or like there's a character who you eventually get that has, like, loves tanks, and when they repair a tank, there's a chance that they don't use up their action for the turn, which oh. is, like, really good. And what this game does really well is, like, to get that loves tanks skill, you have to complete someone's side, that character's side story about mm-hmm. why they love tanks so much. And you unlock this up by using a character. So it was a lot of, like, I'm going to use this set of characters to then, um, to then like, unlock their side stories, and I'm going to do their side story. There's some stuff here that I there's like we get into this in the in the in the uh, three moves ahead episode. Mm-hmm. There's stuff here that I think like it's gonna be really hard to deal with some of the fan service stuff to deal with some of the stuff around like there's a character who like straight up sexually harasses another character early on in that sort of like well we're bros right like I can just slap your ass and like it's really bad it's like yeah. and she like punches him and it's like lighthearted anime comedy and like I'm just, like not here for it yeah um uh. But we get into that in that podcast. You should go listen to it. And then there's also, at the same time, there's some stuff there that shocked me by how well it was handled. There was a character who I was so nervous about because she was in the demo um, who was – is a trans character, I think, right? Like I was – at the time, I was like, I can't tell what they're doing with this character. Mm-hmm. There's someone who's using the masculine body type that all the other coded or all the other male characters are using. Mm-hmm. Um, but the write-up for that character was such that it was like, oh, okay uh, – Rosette presents as a woman or something is what it mm-hmm. said, right? It was like using terminology that was like, let's say three or four years out of date in, in terms of the way we talk about gender identity and gender yeah. in general at this point. Um, but her story ends up being like, she's a side character. She's not one of the main characters. But she ends up having a rad fucking side story um, in which it is revealed. And I'm going to spoil this one little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. She, again, she isn't a major character, but like it's revealed that she used to be a nun. No, she used to be, God, was she a nun first? I think she was a nun first. Uh, uh, I'm just looking it up because it's right. Oh, wow. This this wiki is not filled in yet. Damn. Damn. I'm trying to get – come on, fandom. Um, uh, regardless, she is – she was a nun and had – or she was like in, in the, the religious clergy. service. She was somehow yeah. in the clergy but had a partner who was 
this settings stand in for kind of ethnic minorities. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, There's kind of a blend of Judaism and kind of Romani people uh, Mm -hmm. in this game or in the series. And her partner was was one of them, a Darkson, and he gets killed in while protesting. He's like a Darkson activist who gets killed. So she leaves the clergy and joins the army to kill fascists. Uh, and like her whole story is about kind of walking that line between like being open about people in different parts. Her story ends up being about it's like her, an orphan, a war orphan, uh, who is like hyper religious, and yeah. then a uh, a Darkson dude who is like a. Um, uh, like a uh, he like a grave robber basically. He like, goes to war zones and like picks over the bodies to find stuff to sell. And there's a it can get a little preachy, believe it or not. This like weird anime war game, but it ends up finding its soul in those little moments where like, hey, there's this there's like a group of people who've all been wounded by this thing. War hurts people. Yeah, and they're trying to find a way to like figure out where they stand, where their morals are, and how they can come together to kill fascists and not what i expected do you know what i mean yeah um yeah so so i really liked it and again you can go listen to me talk about it for an hour and 45 minutes and talk about my favorite battle in a tactics game i think in a long time was in that game in terms of just like big scale cool fights so go uh go give that a listen if (laughs) if this hour and 49 minutes isn't isn't (laughs) too much uh for you already that was my number five what is your number that was my number six sorry was that that was my number six so I somehow skipped. Okay. We skip your number six. No, no yours is into the breach. Mine is into the breach. Mine yours was Valkyria. No, my my number seven was Ashen. Oh fuck! I think we skipped something because of games we'd already talked about. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, your you're number five. My number five. I'll hit my number five pretty quick because you've heard me talk about it a lot already. Which is No Man's Sky. Next. Um, this is the third consecutive year that No Man's Sky is on my top ten list. Wow. Um. Which I didn't think was possible. Last year, I was like, oh, yeah, they added this new story mode. I really love that story mode. That's that's it. I'm done with No Man's Sky. And yeah. then this year, with the next update and then with the other two updates that have hit since then, the big underwater expansion. Have you played around I played with like it? two nights ago. Oh, damn. Yeah, dude. I still play that game. Like That game is still like a head-clearing game for me. Yeah. I still like dip into that game when I'm having a really bad time and just yeah. like – jump a few stations or jump a few star systems and just like soak it in um everything about that game is so much better than what it was before like from giving you specific again like the story mode from last year gives a lot of people a lot more structure this year the mission types got better the upgrade paths got better the the customization I feel like the tutorializing got so much, so better, much better this year um you can be invested in specializing in different things right so like i'm very much leaning in the realm of um space uh, zoologist, right? Like I have all these upgrades on my equipment to get me a lot of money from scanning animals. I nice. take missions about taking photos in the photo mode of the animals, right? Like getting money in the game for that is really cool. You can make, you can do what you, you can make the game, the what, game you what you want. want right? Yeah. They've added more things on the like archaeology stuff. Uh, I haven't done any of the ones where you find old dinosaur bones yet, but those are in there now, right? I did one. I've That's been doing them tight. last night where I'm finding like old uh, machine relics buried underground. Mm-hmm. Um, They've just continually improved that game, and it was already my game. Like, it was already the thing. I already liked it, yeah. and they have been adding things in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and then, so adding multiplayer, real multiplayer this year was really cool. Um, I have a couple of standout moments of just, like, building stuff with friends, of uh, going on, like, cool – getting into cool dogfights, uh, having, like – being able to be like, let me show you my fucking ship. Check this shit out. You like this? Yeah, this is that good shit. Like, that stuff <laughs> felt cool. Um, and it all kind of came together when they announced, you know, 
last month their whatever their new event had been. I forget the name of it now. But I the thing was like jumping through a portal, going through a portal to meet up with a bunch of other – so going to a portal to do some research. And I came through the other side. I think Gita Jackson wrote about this over at Kotaku. Um, uh, Is it the Quicksilver event? Maybe. Um this is November 27th. There's a story from Gita over at Kotaku called No Man's Skies. Latest update celebrates the community. Um, it's like right after Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving, the visions update, which like oh, made the skies better, that made the like added rainbows. Which are already amazing. Like yeah, the skies totally, are beautiful. Are already beautiful. Yeah. And you jump through, you jump through this gate, and all of a sudden, I'll just read what Gita wrote. I've never uh, um soon after getting that message, I found a portal and made my way to Polo's special planet. It took my breath away. Uh, and then it's a photo of these little orange, like, circular, spherical communication modules that are just hovering everywhere. Whoa. And she says, I've never seen this many uh, – I've never seen in my life this many communication modules. As I walk past, I read greetings from other players. Hello from Germany. Hello from UK. Someone had their mic on and audibly gasped at their arrival. Um, there are so many people here, they said. There must be, like, 50 people. This person sounded quite young. Later, I heard them yell into their mic, presumably to a parent, what? I'm playing No Man's Sky. Then I actually looked at the planet. <laughs> And here's this photo of this this planet. Um, and she says, It was gorgeous, strange, truly alien. Trees shaped like downed airplanes floated in the air, just kissing the ground. Tentacled plants began to grow, uh, glow after sunset. The only form of life to be found was a skittering, sentient rock cascading across the landscape. And, like, that is why I love this game. And, like, being able to come through that space and be like, Oh, wow, this whole moment is what's changed in this game, encapsulated into one space. It's a game that I've already really enjoyed. Um, to see them continue to grow and and develop it for their diehard community, to continue to see pictures I love from that game. And again, like like everything else on our list across the board, like yeah. this game has issues, right? Like yeah. I think I still think that the way it launched was was frustrating and understandably so for people who who were allowed to be to believe something that it was what it wasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, it is still a game that it's not quite Fallout seventy six levels of like here's the world, go make it your own. Yeah. Um, but it is still in that space, right? It's still a game about, like, space colonialism. It's still a game about, like, turning the world into something that's yours and, yeah. and all that. I think it's a little Despite bit... Despite the planet's every effort to fight against back. you. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. I think it's a little bit different in some ways than something like Fallout 76 because they've gone out of their way to make it feel more alive, more filled with people who are already there, to fill in the gaps of the cultures that were there, the wars that have happened, why people are the way they are, whereas Fallout 76 has basically been like, there are no people in the world. Don't yeah. worry about it. There Just are no hostiles to, like... Yeah. The only hostiles are the Sentinels. Right, right. Which... Whereas this is, like... Very much not a game about, or again, they've given me ways to express myself in this world that are not purely about consuming and growth and expansion. Mm -hmm. um, and giving me that opportunity is really good and really pure in this year. Yeah. In this year where, like, I don't have all, most of my games are about, about shooting people or stabbing people or Tetris, you know? <laughs> um, uh, and the rest of them, so sort of have one where, like, oh, I'm exploring. Mm -hmm. I'm out in this beautiful world. I'm out, like, looking at stuff. And it is really special to me. That's awesome. That is my number five. Congratulations. Three years in a row Three years to in No Man's, Man's Sky. Sky next. See if you can do it again. I dare you. <laughs> number four, Natalie. My number four is Minute. Great game. Great game. Great game. Almost, almost made my list. Not on my, not one of my honorable. Almost made my honorable mentions. Did not make my honorable Aww. mentions, but really good. Minute came out this earlier this year. I think just at the beginning of the year in like January, um, by um, Jan Willem. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna butcher this, but uh, Nijman, mm -hmm. um, who is uh, one half of 
Flambeer. Yeah. And um, Kitty Callis. They, uh, he often goes by JW. Oh, JW. That's okay. Like the easy See, way this to... is my uh-huh. fault for reading the wiki. Um, the Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, Kitty Callis, uh, uh, Jukio, 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 Kalio, and Dominic Johan, uh, who is a great artist also. Um, four people made this game. Four people made this game. It is the gameplay basically is you have 60, each life is 60 seconds mm-hmm. long. And so you have different places that you open up to start that life from, like start your 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 run from um but per, but the whole time you only have 60 seconds yep. you got to do whatever you got to do in that 60 seconds and then you die mm-hmm. on the spot and then it's the next day and this game was one of the ones that i actually made into a game journal so oh, this actually awesome. made it onto my game journal it was Sick. that in prey which okay. al- it would have made it on my list this year but I technically finished it in January, and mm. I felt like, uh, I don't know. Okay. Prey is an amazing game, yeah. but I really want to go back and play Moon Crash. I'm mad at myself. I know. I, I, I can't believe I Someone haven't played it. Someone recently told year. me some stuff about that game that I didn't know, and made me want to go back and play it. Really? So, yeah. I feel like I'm sleeping. Well, me too. So hard on it right 100%. now. Hundred um, percent. But anyway, minute a game I did play. Um, it draws a lot of inspiration from the original Legend of Zelda games, um, where you're moving uh, screen to screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of internalizing a world map, not through a map itself, but through the way you navigate through it. Um, and solving those little puzzles was just such a sense of an accomplishment this year. I wanted to get faster at it. This is the first game I beat this year. Um, and it just has a very special place in my heart for being, um, kind of something i did on my own and just like kind of that's interesting like figured yeah. a well, lot given, of given the rest of your list which has a lot of games that are like collaborative either in the direct sense or in the with my past selves with your past selves yeah. or with the a community of people who've already written wikis and shit like that right? yeah this was something that i kind of that i i really did on my own and really set up the year i wanted to have mm-hmm. and then didn't um follow through on and when I think back to playing Minute, I get really excited about 2019 and get really excited about, um, you know, I get really excited about my holiday break and for all the games that I really want to play. I should also rest, but all the games I really want to play over my holiday break. Um, but yeah, I think just being able to um, introduce a mechanic like dying in 60 seconds without it being so... Like that didn't feel like I was. It was like a run-based game in a way. Like it didn't feel like I was doing like a dead cells run, or I was doing like I knew every sixty seconds I was gonna you die. Were going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like. And so it wasn't like oh. You're not being overwhelmed by a bunch of enemies most of the time. Yeah, most of the time it's pretty easy to mm. clear enemies. It's about like managing my time and like setting like like reminders for myself, like writing down. Okay, this is what I want to accomplish today. And, like, I feel like that was such a metaphor for, like, the way I wanted my year to go mm-hmm. of, like, this is what I'm going to do today. This is, like, the the check I'm going to take off my list. This is the, like, puzzle in my life that I'm going to figure out. This is the problem ahead of me that I'm going to figure out. And all I need to do is do it within these 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it, 
there's another 60 second run there, there's no penalty here yeah like i'm going to get the next one you're gonna have the opportunity the opportunity doesn't vanish into the yeah and i yeah, wish yeah. and that's such an interesting thing to have started out with this year and yeah. not have internalized not necessarily not have internalized well enough but i just <laughs> wish is that the thing like you don't you didn't feel that way when you're playing bloodborne you didn't feel no. that way where like every opportunity felt like a dead end yeah and or like felt like felt like wasted yeah whereas in minute yeah of course i died yeah because i there was nothing i could have done to stop it because yeah. the because that was the thing i was going and so i think actually having that having a sort of thing like that with the streams almost helped me with bloodborne but mm-hmm. at the end it ended up being kind of we'll talk about this in a second no we're not who could say i don't know but <laughs> anyway minute is really really good it's a short game everyone should play it it's on um everything it is on everything yeah it's on pc mac um yeah. all the consoles and um and just spend some time with it this holiday. It's a short game, but it can it's be. It's really nice. I get. I, long. I. The music is really cool. The the visuals are all the like the design. It's all two D art with like white like white on black. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, but it's so color or not colorful. So char- characterful. It's so it has so much character. Yes. <laughs> uh, everything's really cute. Everything's really um fun. Uh, there are shades of Undertale here, is what I will say. In yeah. some, in some terms of some of the puzzle solving and stuff like that, and in terms of just like the vibe, it's it's not Undertale, no doubt, but like yeah. there is something like that. But it is it is like cute and cheery, and then also like there's like like devastating moments, and um, you meet really funny characters. Like there's so mm. much like charm and humor, and um, but everything feels like it makes sense Mm -hmm. like it's not hidden from you there are things that are hidden but it feels discoverable um which is something austin you and i were talking about earlier which we will talk about later totally anyway that was my number four what was your number four my number four we we already hit which was monster hunter Hunter, uh, monster hunter world um so i don't have to say more about that you already heard me talk about that when you talked about it we already talked about it when um, on the podcast. On the podcast. So instead, let's talk about some of our honorable mentions before we get into our top three. Let's do it. That sounds good. Um, I'm going to hit these quick. Me too. Dead Cells is one of my honorable mentions. Same. Uh, I like the game a lot. I didn't put enough time into it. Same. I like it a lot. I didn't put enough time into it. That's it. Same. Like, <laughs> I, if I put more time into it, if I'd beaten it once, I could have conceived of putting it on my list. Yeah. But I just didn't put enough into it. I didn't really fall into the hole of watching people play it outside of Patrick either. I watched Patrick play it. But when I think about like the year I put Hitman on my list, even though I didn't play it at all because I watched it so much, this is I watched a lot of You're different like people. I consumed yeah. Hitman. I watched Giant Bomb play Hitman. I watched my friend Jack play Hitman. I watched random Hitman streams. Like I was like, drop me in. Like <laughs> buckle me up. Show me that Hitman content. Let's go. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't this year. So yeah. Dead Cells, uh, really great game. I yeah. shout outs to Motion Twin yeah. for a million things, uh, one of which is they made a good game. Yeah. Um, I second that. Um, my next one on the honorable mention list is Celeste. Which, oh, sure. For the same reason. If I would have beaten it. Yeah. I would have put it on a hundred percent. That game is amazing. Has one of the best soundtracks of all time. Um I if you haven't listened to the Celeste soundtrack, listen to 
Is it Reflection? Yeah, listen to Reflection. It's an incredible song. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think that Celeste is too hard for you, or that you aren't that you are unable to play it the correct way, I promise you that is bullshit, and you can play it however you I mean, want. Like, we just talked about this on yes. another pod, which I don't know if it's up yet. I don't think it is. I think it was on the forward-looking pod or the waypoints. I don't even. Remember. I don't remember which one. I think it was on. Who could say? Fridays. Fridays, I think, yeah. I think it probably already happened. Yeah. But y'all were talking about the great accessibility. Exactly. Stuff, so So definitely um, Celeste. Yeah. Honorable awesome. mention. Shout out to Celeste. Your um, next one is? Is I was just talking about Hitman. Hitman 2 is on this list. Uh, I really liked Hitman 2. Uh, disclosure for the third time, Janine Hawkins' name is going to come up. Janine mm-hmm. Hawkins is like my best friend in the world. Uh, we run Friends at the Table. She's part of Friends at the Table. So like there would have to be such a huge disclosure for me to put this on my list. I'm so incredibly biased about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I really, really, really loved it. Um, I think the last level is like my favorite Hitman level ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't put enough time into it. This was like such a busy year that it didn't. So last time I didn't play Hitman until the year after it came out. Mm-hmm. Right. So I put it on my list in 2016 and I played it in 2017. I was like, yo, I'm a fool. Why didn't I play this game right, right <laughs> out the jump? Maybe it was 2014. 15 and i don't even know anymore when did we launch this website 2016 uh, 2016 so yeah so it was on my 2016 list but i played it at the beginning of 2017 it was like wow this game is incredible yeah um and i hey man you were playing right away i was playing it right away and also the, the, the other big difference here is like Hitman 1 lasted all year for me because they did the episodic release yeah. which when i was watching people play through the same levels over and over, and to then get I was all watching, the... to get everything, to unlock stuff, to do the escalation missions, etc. Mm-hmm. Hitman 2's escalations haven't really hit yet. There've been a couple of them. I've done them. I've enjoyed them. I've done the first of the elusive targets, um, but like that's the stuff that really makes me love Hitman. Are like the escalations specifically, yeah. And those aren't there in number yet. And once they are, is when I will like really dig in. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna pause on it for now and come back to it once a bunch of that stuff is released and almost have a second yeah. go around. Yeah. There's a world when Shipman 2 is on my list next year mm-hmm. but isn't this year which is yeah. weird. And you've talked in past podcasts about the sort of setup of that final I think yeah, you have. I think well Cameron Kunzelman wrote a really great piece about okay, it for us. There you go. Go look that up. Um, that final level if you do is... a search it's so fucking good and yeah. dark and it's why you're gonna marry a prince. Yeah that's why we had that conversation. The global warming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway your other give me some more give me another honorable mention Lego Harry Potter years one through four and five through seven oh word um, this is on my list on my honorable mention list for the thing that I talked about up top of going back to things that are comfortable this is a game I played on Wii um, originally mm-hmm. and have played all the way through a couple times and this is probably like my third time playing it all the way through um, it's comfortable yeah, I I think it's charming. I think it's so really some funny. You need sweatpants on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. This is my sweatpants game. I think it's really funny how they rewrite like really crucial narrative moments in Lego ways it's that like are like just ass. so goofy and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, which just like it's it's my it's my sweatpants. So shout outs to that. Shout outs to sweatpants. Uh, I'm going to say next Red Dead Redemption 2, which I thought would make my list, and then I just stopped playing it. Like, I, I was in my head ready to have, like, the big I, – I was having the big conversation of, like, is this – does this game – do the moments of joy for this game outweigh the – my issues with Rockstar's 
labor issues and the way they handled some of the labor issue stuff and everything else. Like, you know me, I, I don't think that there's an objective, there's not an objective bone in anybody's body. Like mm-hmm. everything is positional, everything is relational, everything is 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 subjected to bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's like I want to confront that in myself, in my own work, yeah. instead of pretending like it's not there or like pretending that I could hide that. And so like I was ready to write that like Red Dead Redemption 2 is on my top 10 list because I cannot help but love Arthur Morgan. I cannot help <laughs> but love patting my horse and saying like, oh, he's a good girl or whatever, right? <laughs> I cannot help but wanting to like carry sacks of flour and do like the weird labor simulation mm-hmm. that's in that game. Um, and then I just stopped playing it one day. And yeah. part of me was like still ready to write that. And then I was like, I'm not going to go back to it probably. Or maybe I will eventually. But probably not in the near future. I got a lot of out of that game. I really enjoyed it. And I, I love open world games. And I really enjoy... I really enjoy wrapping my head around what an open world designer is trying to do. Like it is, it is, I, I, I do my best to play games in a really active way, which is to say constantly thinking like, okay, why is this this way? Why was this built this direction? Like what is, what is the effect of, there's a moment in that game where you rob a bank Mm -hmm. and afterwards you go to collect a loan from somebody. And that person's very important in the story in in a very quiet way. Um, And, they those two things are connected you finish the bank robbery and then you immediately you don't get to go home you go right to collect this loan and john i said john arthur morgan has the money to just be like i got you don't worry about it but he doesn't do that and you would have your honor all the way up he doesn't go no listen i just robbed a bank i have like four grand i'm sitting on stacks yeah i got you for your 22 dollars yeah he could do that and he doesn't do it and that's a moment where, like, all the rest of that game, you're making choices for who Arthur Morgan is. You're giving people money who are begging for it on the street. You are helping people home and not taking money from them. You can be the good guy. And in that moment, you can't be. And in some ways... There's no choice offered. There's no choice offered, and that fucking sucks. It's like, that's not my Arthur. Yeah. On the other hand, he fucking sucks. Yeah. He, like, is taking money from people for a loan shark. Like, I feel like being a good Arthur is it being a good Arthur despite... The, who he is. Who he is. Right. Yeah. Despite what he's doing. It's like so at odds with yeah. the scripted. So what I ended up feeling was like, oh, when I'm doing those good things, I'm almost playing pretend. I'm almost giving myself the rationale for why it's okay that I've hurt people. Why it's okay that like I'm fucking around with this asshole Micah and shooting up a town because Micah flipped out and decided to shoot up a town. Um, and... That moment and feeling like, okay, okay, like, oh, what are they doing here? What is the thing that's happening? How is this going to pay off later? And I like that experience of playing through games. I like being engaged and, be, and, and deconstructing choices and trying to figure out why a game is the way it is. And this game gave me a lot. And also just like the open world genre is my genre of choice in so mm-hmm. many ways. Obviously, tactics have boiled up this year is a big one for me. But like mm-hmm. there was something there. I was like, oh, I'm going to work through it. And it gave me a lot to work through. And also like – if you want to talk to me about like my highest stress days this year and the points of, of breakage in games journalism and the successes of something like Jason Schreier's reporting on the, the rockstar labor situation and the failures as three months on all of that stuff has fucking vanished from coverage. Like from not, not from Kotaku, but from other, other outlets that are like 
progressive leaning out mentioned mentioned in reviews and in wrap-ups it's so important for me to wrap my head around that game this year because it tells me so much about where the industry is the state of the industry both in terms of reform coming and also in terms excuse me in terms of like the paradigm that we currently yeah, yeah yeah and so like it has been important for me this year but it is not one of my top 10 games of the year and i've made peace with that and like can move on which is nice yeah it's so funny because i feel similarly to the original red dead which we did this year for our waypoint right. 101 yes like it is so weird to have put so many hours into a game and for it not to be important on a top to le- yeah. 10 list and I think it was really important for me to contend with and to have discourse around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, my fave game, which is weird because there are games that are important, but not games it is of the year. so important to me that we get to a place where polish, we talked about polish earlier. It's so important that we as a, God, when was it? I don't even remember what, it, what the game was. I think it was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I came in one day. I don't remember if you were even here for this. But I came in and I was like, I think the critical apparatus is fucking broken. Like, mm-hmm. there is the language that people were talking about that game with. And this is like partially just like my bad time with it. I yeah. get that. But there were conversations I was eager to see happen about the way open world games are designed and the ways in which um, – the ways in which – I, we t- I talk about friction a lot in mm-hmm. my review or my letter or whatever the fuck we called it of Red Dead Redemption yeah. 2. There were things happening in Assassin's Creed Odyssey that no one was talking about in a critical way. And I don't mean that as in like a bad way. I mean in a way of like what is what is being communicated about this world? What senses are being are being pushed and prodded on from, from the player? And like those conversations were not happening anywhere I looked for them. Um, and I'm not I'm not degrading the work that was done there. I read reviews that I enjoyed from from Kotaku, from Giant Bomb, from Polygon. Like I read reviews that I yeah. liked, but there was a second degree of conversation that I didn't see even weeks in that I wanted to have happen. And like for me, so much of working out what I want for there to be is to be a critical apparatus the way there is in other media mm-hmm. where a work like Red Dead or next year or the year after a work like Cyberpunk 2077 a game like um, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which succeed right now in a way that feels inevitable to no longer feel inevitable. And I want part of the reason we get there, part of it needs to be the audience has to develop a a taste that goes beyond splash. Because there are lots of big budget, splashy, beautiful films that Mm -hmm. fucking fail. There are so many spectacle yeah. movies that don't that don't move the needle at the box office yeah we need to get there with games like this is like the funny thing for me is like if i get defensive about games it's that i want us to think they're worse yeah <laughs> i want us to learn to be able to differentiate between money um f- friend of the site Doragon Doragon on on twitter paris is an electronic musician um, famously quoted in Kotaku a few times as progressive anime fan, <laughs> uh, Duragon on Twitter, um, once took a shot at Riverdale in a way that has stuck with me, which is, he said, a lot of my friends tell me this show looks really nice. I tell them it looks really expensive. Mm. And, like, he's right. Season one of Riverdale, I think, looks really good. Season two of Riverdale looks really expensive. Yeah. It looks like they have, like, really good cameras and, like, some good post-processing on some of the film. Yeah. And some, like, great, like... Lighting. uh, Lighting and some good, like, set designers and Uh costume designers. Uh But I don't know that it looks good. Mm -hmm. I think it it looks expensive. It looks like it's meant to look more expensive than other shows in its subgenre. Yeah. Um, 
And we have to get there with, with games. We are there with film. Like, we know the difference between a good action movie and a bad action movie. And yeah. it is not the one with the bigger budget, thankfully. Like, yeah. there have been so many big budget flops. I want there to be more, like, I don't want there to be more big budget flops because I don't want people to go starving. I don't want people to yeah. lose their jobs. Yeah. But I want us to start to appreciate games in a way where, like, Cyberpunk 2077, I want there to be a possibility space for where that game comes out and it flops because it's not good. Acknowledge spectacle for what it is, yeah. which is, which is spectacle right. it is it is like and adornishments also, and and ornamentation yes, and like yes, all those yes. kinds of things and like, that stuff can be incredible and i want i also want there to be here's the other side of this is if that game comes out and it doesn't do well i want there to be a, a stage for which we can also say and the artists who worked on it did an incredible job yeah. and the writers on it did this and the yeah. blah, blah, blah 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 right i think that has so much to do with identifying the development process more yeah, and totally. and and becoming more familiar with the development process and knowing what what an art department is in a video game company totally. knowing what a storyboard narrative uh department is in a video game company yeah. and being able to recognize achievements in individual 100 percent, knowing the categories. names of the people who do this work yeah. that is not just the hideo kojimas and the dan hausers right yeah. like, like I, I don't i think about arthur morgan's sketches in red dead redemption 2 i'm like who did those I can I, I don't know. I don't even I don't know if, how to find it. How to find it. I can check the credits. Maybe there's something that's like Arthur Morgan Journal artist. I'm gonna check tonight. I'm gonna go home mm -hmm. and check the credits and see if I can find that out. Um uh, uh but like as a player, I don't know that I would know that. And I'm forty hours, fifty hours into that game, whatever it is. I should know that. They're my favorite part of the fucking game. Yeah. Um anyway, Red Dead Redemption anyway. Two. Honorable mention. The best <laughs> it's gonna get. Um, Do you have any other honorable mentions? Yeah, I have a couple more. Um, Let's hit those real quick. Yeah. We are burning. We, we are burning we, yeah. pod. Uh, we're not burning pod, but we're doing the other thing. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're going long. Um, one that was on my list last year that I should uh, give an honorable mention to because I spent so much time with it this year is Minecraft. Oh, sure. Um, I played it again this year. They did a big update to the Switch version mm -hmm. that made it more like the um, PC versions and the ones... Uh, uh, so you could actually have servers now that you can invite your friends to that your friends can right. play on while you're not online before you had to be online for your friends to play online. Um, and I felt like I went deeper into the traditional Minecraft progression of like going into the Ender World mm -hmm. or whatever um, deeper this year than last year, which was like all about the creativity and all about like what kind of structures could I make? What kind of like machines could I make? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's an honorable mention just for how much time I played this year. Cool. Um, do you want me to just like one more? I have one more, which is Slay. The I have two more, but one of them is on your real list. So I'm going to wait okay. on that. The other one is Slay the Spire, which is I'm going, I put a lot of time into it. It's a fantastic card game. Mm -hmm. It's like a card game roguelike. We streamed is, it. We streamed it. I had a great time streaming it, but that was like a year ago. It was the beginning of the year. It was like January. Yeah. I love that game. I was again on a three moves ahead episode about it. Go look that up. Um, it's fantastic, but it's I'm I stopped playing it just after the third character was released in like the test version of the game, mm -hmm. um, and so I'm waiting. I'm like it's gonna come out to switch next year. Next mm -hmm. year is going to be the year of Slay the Spire for me probably because mm -hmm. it's so good. Please look into it. Mm -hmm. um, my last two one is um, Pokemon, which is another yes. uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, uh, which is another sweatpants game. I thought it was really fun to I thought it was really nice to have a casual version of Pokemon that mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was removing a piece of my life to play and just to be able to hop in and hop out was really nice. Nice. 
Um, and la- and Evie wearing cute hats is always going to be a good thing. Um, and my last one, which I would have put on my list if I had been able to beat it just one fucking oh, time, yeah. which is Unexplored, uh, which you actually did a stream of for okay. us as well. Um, go we check that out. We beat both Unexplored and Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. <laughs> Surprisingly. Um, roguelike king, what's good? You truly are truly. our roguelike king. Um, Unexplored is a roguelite um, uh, proc gen mm-hmm. game. Uh, it's random seeds that you start with. You can go back to like specific seeds if you'd like. Um, I had a lot, a lot of fun with it because I didn't realize that it was proc gen at first, and I just played the same seed over and over Hell and yeah. over again. <laughs> And then started playing randomly and had a lot more fun with it. So if I had been able to beat it once, I would have put it on my list. But I did not. So shout out to my Cyclops friend in Unexplored. God. Okay. Fuck. We Let's... have like... Okay. We're going to dig in. Okay. Uh, here's the nice thing about me. I can get me out of the out of the done right now because I have three games in my top three. They're all games about giant robots. And only one of them is something you haven't heard me talk about somewhere else. Okay. Let's do you. The one that's worth talking about, I'm just gonna I'm doing them out of order. Okay. My number my number two game of the year is Into the Breach. I love Into the Breach. You can hear me talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. At length. Yeah. Go listen to that tomorrow. It's great. My number one game of the year is Battletech, which you can hear about me talk about last week. Go back, listen to me talk about that. Why I love it. Watch all of our streams that we've done. Watch of all it. our streams that we've done you've done of it. The reason that number one is Battletech is because it blends the systemic storytelling stuff, the systemic, like, it blends fun tactics with storytelling in a way that is, like, really, uh, I almost said compelling, but I almost want to say propelling. It propelled me through that game to get attached to pilots, to have fun events to answer, to decide what I wanted to do as a commander, whether I wanted to invest my money in a new um, you know, uh, uh, lounge for my crew or to invest in a new, like, sniper cannon for my giant mech. Um, it, it, uh, 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 but it also so it provided that sort of, like, the drama part of it, but it also provided, provided the, like, story, the, the tactics part of it. Um, and that combination uh, is, is kind of what made it work for me in a big way, right? Like, I ended up having... Um, so much fun with the blend of characterization and tactical challenge. By the end of that game, I really knew who the fuck my main character was. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm continuing her campaign um, now. I'm waiting. I'm trying to figure out if that's true. I'm trying to remember. I think, actually, sorry. I'm continuing their campaign now because one of the cool things about this game is it let me actually use oh, yeah. they, them pronouns for, for characters. Uh, and so yeah. their campaign is continuing now. I was trying to remember... Who my character was, who the char- who my new character is. My new character uses she, her, and then the character who we used on stream, who I think was also they, them. Um, uh, so my main character, like, I recently got a quest or, a, like, a mission request from from some faction that was about, like, doing something kind of shady mm-hmm. or, like, kind of betray- – like, so they added this, this thing called Flashpoints. We talked about this in the, in the previous – Battletech stream or Battletech uh, uh, pod, pod um, that give you options, that give you kind of branching paths mm-hmm. in in kind of longer, mic- like mini micro short story campaigns. Um, and uh, in the in the um, one of them, there's a situation where someone is like, um, someone is like, okay, someone, this group of people have been have been uh, a thorn on my family's side for too long, or like house nobles or whatever. Uh, I think they're connected to these pirates. Go take over this pirate base and find evidence. And, like, I did that. Mm-hmm. 
And the evidence, as you get the evidence, you go back to your ship and you get a call from like a mysterious third party mm-hmm. in the same general faction. And they're like, hey, listen, the data you have is wrong. The data you have is planted by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who's really going after your client. But what I do know is there's a real problem. Yeah. So you already have doctored evidence. Just give him this other different doctored, doctored evidence and that will sh- that will point him at a different direction who is really a thorn in his side but who he doesn't know about yet and is a thorn in my side too. Do that and I'll pay you a little extra on the side. And I was like, fuck. But Vesper, who is my character, Vesper wouldn't do that shit because I knew who Vesper was from playing through the main story and like from making the decisions I made as that character. They aren't there to make like – the, the mercenary decision despite being a mercenary. Yeah. They're not just trying to get paid. They have a certain code of ethics yeah. and honestly a sort of softness for the noblesse oblige like of of good nobles and and they're wrong for that. Like either, But I like playing that character who yeah. is like, who is I'm not just playing myself, right? I'm yeah, playing this yeah. person who has been wooed by the ideal of like the, 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 the um, grateful noble who like thinks that like, oh yes, I'm here to serve the people even though I was born into It's into fucking Mario. Class. Yeah, it's Mario over here. I'm playing Mario. <laughs> I'm playing Mario but with a good haircut. Um, and so like that worked for me at such a high level. Yeah. Uh, the expansion is so good. I'm so excited for the next expansion. I'm like, I can't wait to continue. I'm like, I'm going to go home and probably play this game again tonight. I'm like 80, 90 hours into it. That's so cool. Which is a lot into a tactics game for me. Um, and it blended that drama and those tactics. Into the Breach mostly gave me the tactics. I think there's cool story stuff going on there. We talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and and I think that stuff is, is rad, but it doesn't give me the overarching closeness and proximity to those pilots in a way that like Battletech does or the way my number three game does, which is Heaven Will Be Mine, which is by Worst Girl Games. And again, disclosure, AVB, who is the lead writer on the game, uh, has written stuff for Waypoint before. Um, I consider both her and Mia, who's the artist, like friends. Like They're people who I've gotten drinks with. So mm-hmm. like... Full disclosure, it's weird to put a game, your number three, as a <clears> – <throat> as like, oh, yeah, my friends made this. But also, I think my first year at, at Giant Bomb, doing a Giant Bomb list, I put something that Jack DeKeat, who does the music for Friends of the Table on that list. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put my whole ass out here. Disclosure. <laughs> like, here it is. My yeah. friend made this, but yeah. blah. So this is a case where, like, I'm close to these people. You know, AV pitched me this game at my first PAX West ever. Um, and I had just finished recording Counterweight, which is the second season of Friends of the Table, our first big like mech season. Um, and she pitched it to me, and I was like, she just they just made um, uh, uh, We Know the Devil, uh, oh, which is yeah. a great game. Also, Heaven Will Be Mine is like a follow up to that game. So it is about queerness and youth, but it's also about giant robots, and it's also about sex. And it is so well written. It is so charming and so funny. It is. There are lots of games about – there are increasingly, thankfully, more games about queerness. There are thankfully more games about robots. <laughs> there are very few that, that do that overlap, though Extreme Meat Punks Forever also does this. But the writing in this game is so smart and real. I think the closest thing I can compare it to is something like some of the Night in the Woods stuff in the year. Mm. I mean the closest thing is – we know the devil because there's similar vulnerability and familiarity to the way these characters speak. But something like Night in the Woods where the conversations feel charged but real um, yeah. is, is a, I think, maybe a touchstone. Um, and the thing that it gets is that, like, it gets so well at why I like giant robots, which is not that they have, you know, mass acceleration units or, like, that you can tinker with their engines just so. 
I like it when if there's a character tinkering with the engine of a giant robot, it's because that means something, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like, I want the robots to go faster and to shoot harder and to have bigger swords. Like, I want there to be, there was some metaphor happening there. There was Mm -hmm. some, there was some question about why we are attracted to those giant robots and Heaven Will Be Mine digs into that so well, right? So it's a dating sim in a sense. It's a, it's a visual novel yeah. in which you pick one of three characters and then you get into a series of fights with those other two characters. And you're effectively deciding whether- With or against? Against. Okay. They, each one represents a different faction. Gotcha. Um, it is, I'm just going to set it up for you mm-hmm. real quick because I don't think people have like heard the pitch on this game. And I know that you probably haven't. The- there are three characters, three mechs, three factions, right? They're all tied one to one. You can't like mix them up in any way, right? Uh-huh. They all come out of this history where there was this moment where humanity was facing an existential threat, something big and mysterious and other. And you learn a little bit about what that is eventually. I'm not going to spoil what that is because it's it's a great fucking moment as you un- come to understand what the quote unquote existential threat was. Yeah. And humanity comes together and they go, oh, we have to fight the existential threat, this alien thing that's coming for us all. We need to develop weapons for it. And so these robot giant robots are made. And they're made because humans can't be – humans need a way to express themselves. The way to fight an existential threat is through, express, is through expressivity. And when it's a big alien thing coming for you, you have to be a big big thing too, right? That's so fucking so it's rad. It's already fucking rad, right? And so one of the characters, uh, Luna, Luna Terra, is piloting this old hunk of junk from that era. Mm-hmm. The first of these things that really lets, lets – uh, her and lets the world kind of ex- humans express themselves in these big ways. Um, and for her and her faction, the, wor- the world belongs to the world. People belong to Earth. Earth mm-hmm. is a place that we should invest in. There is no escaping to the stars. There is no leaving our old problems behind. Like, come home and fix shit. The second group, uh, the second major character uh, is um, uh, Jupiter, who is I believe I believe it's Jupiter and not Pluto. I believe it's Jupiter. It's been it's been a couple of, it's been a couple of months since I played. Uh maybe maybe it's Pluto. I always get Pluto and Jupiter. But but Pluto uh, Pluto is from There's Saturn, Pluto, and, and Luna Terra. And Luna Terra. So Jupiter is from is from uh We Know the Devil. Mm. That's that's where my confusion is. Uh there is some I, I, I was making connections to the Jupiter character in We Know the Devil between the two. I think that that's a thing that you could do. Pluto pilots this gigantic future mech that is as big as the moon, bigger, controls gravity, controls Holy culture. Shit. Because, I mean, so I ended up, I, I'm just going to read from my notes about why I think this game is so good. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, Can please. Can I just be that fucking nerd real quick? I would love that. Um, Because I think one of the things that it does so well is, is get, like, you can already hear the way I'm talking about this game is about the ways in which it it uses giant robots as a metaphor for expressivity for expressivity for the world so the the second the the one that I'm talking about now uh the 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 one that Pluto pilots is called the Kroon Makala and it controls like tidal forces it controls it can crush whole moons instantly um it makes supernovas out of nothing um and the thing that 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 world that they want is for people to kind of move up into space and into the moon and into the colonies and it they want to control culture and they understand culture to be gravity like culture we orbit around culture we gra- culture guides us culture 
like grounds us. And so, of course, they make a giant robot that can control gravity, right? The metaphor is like very clean and very clear, but Damn. also very like beautiful. And then the third one is is Saturn, who is part of a faction that is like, yo, fuck bodies, actually, fuck mm-hmm. humanity, like let's become something else entirely. Mm-hmm. And so Hermec is like this thing that cheats space and time it can freeze time and just teleport to different places it can close in on you it can undo things that you've done and also what you can't cheat you kill with poison you kill slowly with a knife that's poisonous and these are all important one because there's communicating something about the the borders of humanity and whatever comes next between culture and 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 uh you know nature and nurture between culture uh and and science all that stuff but also because it's sexy. All of these conversations that we're having around what mechs stand for and how the mechs and their ideologies, blah, 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 play out in the game in a series of conflicts. You get sent on a mission, and then one of the opposing pilots gets sent to stop you. Mm -hmm. And then you determine whether you want to win or lose that encounter. Um, And winning and losing ends up positioning different ideologies higher and lower, blah, blah, blah. But really what it's doing is like changing your relationship with the character there. Mm -hmm. Because fighting is like fucking in this game, right? Like fighting is playful. It is is teasing. It is taking the wrong move because it's putting you at disadvantage in a fun way. It's um, written in ways that are like very flirty. These are pilots who are like all clearly enamored with each other, um, who want to feel threatened safely yeah. uh, the machines protect them right the machines in a way are make it a safe space for this sort of dangerous play um, because they are literally shielding you from the world right um, and there are some moments in this game that are so vulnerable where people are like literally stepping out of their shells or letting someone in that are really memorable and that are really like in some ways, like, I have my canon playthroughs. Like, I've played through a bunch of times to get yeah. all the different endings and to see everything. And if I have one takeaway from the game, one negative, it's that it kind of encourages you to be like, ooh, I want to collect everything. I want to mm. see all the different perspectives. Yeah. Um, but what's there is so heartfelt. And and I love its openness at the way it encourages you to think about different potentials for the future. Do we stay here on Earth? Do we stay with the systems we have now and reform them and fix them? Do we leave all this behind? Could we ever leave this all behind? Yeah. Or would it come with us? It, why are we so tied down to humanity to begin with? All of those perspectives have arguments, and all of them mean different things for us depending on who we are, right? One of the things this game does so, so smartly is it refuses to show... It, visual novels are really interesting. I had this one issue once with... A, I love Christine Love's games. Um, Christine Love, again, is like in my sphere is, is like a friend of mine, right? Um, uh, someone I'd get a beer with, right? Mm-hmm. So again, disclosure. But there was a game that Christine made years ago um, called, uh, God, was it, was it, is it Don't Take It Personally? Which one is the one where you're a teacher? Uh, is that Don't Take It Personally, Babe? Yes. Uh, yeah, Don't Take It Personally, Babe. It just ain't your story. Um, and that is a game uh, about being a teacher in a school and having like access to a cell phone chat system that your students are using. And there are routes in which you end up hooking up with students, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's something there that at the time I was really frustrated. First of all, I was a teacher at the time. And so I was like, oh, this is not my fucking thing. I mm-hmm. love a lot about Christine's other work, but I like really fell hard off of it. Um, but there was something specific, which was the routes in which you ended up hooking up with students in that game 
had unique art. And the rest of what you didn't were still happy endings, but did not have art, did not have unique art, right? Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, there's like a material a, incentive exactly to, to do, go down specific routes totally. rather than just creating like equal ground. ground or It's there, right? Which there makes is, it seem like there is one that is totally. meant to And be so doing. something that I love about, about um, Heaven Will Be Mine is that it gives as much material asset it gives material uh, uh assets to queer characters to women to uh people of color to ideology to the que- to these big philosophical questions to cool robot battles to conflicting ideologies like not mm-hmm. just there's not just the one thing but mm-hmm. what it does not give material assets to are like abusers who exist in the story but who do not get uh, uh, really cool images of them. They don't get headshots. They don't get like a, stylized. A, yeah. yeah, there are conflicts that are happening on this in the background yeah. of this game yeah. that are important to understand, but are not placed front and center. Are not fetishized. Are not part yeah. of the artistic the glamour, swell of the game. Yeah. Right. They're, exactly. And that is like again when I talk about us getting better about thinking about stuff like this. This is one of those key ways. Right. Yeah. I think about something like Mad Max Fury Road is a, is a is a movie that opens with sexual assault uh, and abuse survivors escaping from a place. But the thing that that film does smartly and that other films have not done is it does not open on their abuse. It does not open on glorifying or fetishizing their assault. Um, It happens in the background. It is a thing that has happened and you have to contend with. But one of the things that that movie does right is it does not linger on that aspect of their lives and it does not it does not mean that it does not define them primarily. It's not like trauma porn, right? Exactly, and so like this is a game that understands that trauma is an important thing, and in fact is interested in exploring trauma, but it's mm-hmm. interested in exploring trauma from the perspective of those who've lived through it, yeah. not the perspective of those who have performed it. Yeah. Nor is it interested in putting those people on screen yeah. because there, there is some obligation to tell their story too. Like, yeah. No, it's interested in telling the story of the people who or survived. Or forcing that you shit. to be the voyeur, totally. like forcing you to be totally. the observer and like the non-actor. Absolutely. in that situation. And the fact that they're doing all of this and also have dope robots <laughs> and are using those robots in a way that are not just backdrop but yeah. are communicating something clear. And for me, communica- communicating ideas that were always already inside of mech shows and mech anime and, and comics and everything else like means a lot to me. Yeah. So easily my number three game. There's a chance in the next week between now and then that it slips up to number two. Yeah, um, we're also recording these before we write, we write our actual our list. list. There's a so. chance that that flips, but we'll see. So that is my list. I'll just I'll, I'll when we're done, I'll go. I'll read through it one more time. Sounds Natalie, fair. let's turn to your final top three. Let's turn to my final top three. I have. I think we should talk about maybe my one and my three, and then talk about my two. Okay, can we do two first? No, yeah, I you're right. I think we right. should do one and three, and, and then, then we end can do a two. two. Yeah, because yeah. Um, how are we caught up? Oh, bad. Don't even worry about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> You put. I mean, we knew this was gonna go down, you know, y'all. You know what the fuck to, it is. To all the to all the homies out there that made it to our our two minute something two swish. What's swish good? What's good? Shout outs. Anyway. So, what is your number three game? Of the My year? number three game, I think, sets set up so much of what um, this year actually was about for me, which is. Now that I think about it, I actually did try a lot of games this year that I was yeah, not comfortable I was so confused with at that all. you said that because I was like, you put yourself out there this year. I know, but I didn't get – the thing is I didn't get all the way through. Yeah, welcome is, to the life. This is it. You don't get through shit anymore. God, I can't you, do you it. Dip, is... You dig dips in. When you dip, I dip, we dip. 
That's how it goes. That is how it goes. My number three game is Bloodborne. Hell yeah. And I didn't finish Bloodborne. You can see the last fucking time I played Bloodborne. Well, the on... last time was okay, right? That's the fun thing about, right? The last time I... I also, don't even... can you see the last time? Was that Yeah, archived? I think it's up. It's up. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's up. Okay. Let me check the video calendar I can while check. I talk about it. Yeah. Um, but Bloodborne was a game that I started at the beginning of this year because we were like, hey, what's a fun... I think I already told the story like literally last week, but we were like, hey, what's a fun game that Natalie can do for her segment of the marathon stream that we did at the beginning of this year, which was eight hours, which seems like nothing compared to the 36 hours we did at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. But... um. What I will say is, so we decided on Bloodborne. I really wanted to play Dark Souls Remastered, but it wasn't out on Switch yet. We had thought it was going to come out by then. Um, It hadn't come out for uh, um, PS4 either at that point, I don't believe. Um, And so we decided on Bloodborne. Mm -hmm. And I had so much fun playing that first time. I think we ended up playing it for like two hours or three hours. It ended up being a huge chunk of our stream that we decided to make it into one of our series, which was a feature of this year where we had a bunch of, you know, stream series. We were streaming and we had stream series. We had so many shows and it was fun and everyone was laughing and smiling. Uh Uh-huh. All this is true. Um... That was the last one that so so yeah, Bloodborne's updated. Bloodborne's out there. Okay. Um so I played this like almost every week for until For months. For months. Yeah. For months and months and months. And I think the farthest I got was the world had changed. I went to I did the fucking uh, oh, I was at Kanehurst. I was trying to fight that man. Master Ligarius. Yes, right? Ligarius. Yeah. Longinus. That's, <laughs> That's his That's name. That's his name. That's his name. You know him. You all know him. Um, and I fell off. But what Bloodborne did for me this year was introduce me to a genre and also to just a style and a frame of mind that mm-hmm. I could have going into playing games where I didn't need to be good at them right away. Mm-hmm. So many games that I had played were games that I could get better with based on stats, based on getting better uh, um, collectibles, getting better... Uh, external to my physical ability and so much of my um idea of myself of a gamer of a player of games is that i am not someone who has like phys- like really high physical skill when it comes to mm-hmm. games like i'm not someone that's super reactive i can't platformers i've t- I talked about this on the um uh when we were talking about platformers the other day that platformers were never something that i thought of myself being able to play because i just never thought of myself as having that sort of finesse right um to be able to play those games and so playing bloodborne this year and just having such an intense tumultuous but so rewarding and it's infor- and I really do want to go back to it and I probably will start a new save because my save is on your account Austin unfortunately mm-hmm. which means that Oh no fuck is it? Yeah, my save is on your account so I can't play it unless I'm logged in. Come over. Yeah, I'll log, log into in your once. Yeah, my, my PS4. Your PS4 yeah. on my PS4 and then I'll play. So I will go back to it. I do want to play it again. Um Bloodborne had me 
asking a lot of questions this year about um about the purpose of difficulty that I hadn't asked before about the purpose of uh trying again of of repetition of all those sorts of things that I had just never those weren't questions that I was contending with in ways that felt super risky or that felt super um that had like a super high investment like repetition to me was never something about like an emotional investment it was always just time like yeah. oh I just like you know I want to grind for the level I want but this was like grinding just to get through the game um so shout out to Bloodborne yeah um, I'm I, so it's one of those things that's tough because like I I just I loved watching you play those through that game I loved coaching you through as yeah, much of Bloodborne of as we did it was so much fun like I if we had the time to do it more and you had the will I would love to do it still right yeah um I know that I haven't a a, a normal um a an atypical relationship with those games because I don't get that frustrated with them mm-hmm. and part of it is that I try to think about those games that we, we were talking about a minute earlier mm-hmm. it's like yeah in 60 seconds I'm gonna die of course that's what this game is yeah um but unlike most other games I'm gonna get to keep my progress mm-hmm. because I'm gonna be able to go back and get that drop and you'll spend that xp later yeah when i die in dragon age and i have to load a save i don't keep the xp that i got from killing those enemies yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean now yeah. what i do what you can do is like save scum and like or not save scum but you could like save constantly and that's an important distinction yeah but i've lost so many saves in so many games over the years where i've lost more than i've lost from a death in bloodborne that's or true. dark souls that's true um but it is a hard thing and and i the one of the reasons i loved playing that with you is because I could see there were moments when you found that there's like a there's I don't know it off the top of my fucking head and so I'm not going to get it right but there is like a a, a Taoist I want to say parable about a man in a boat do you know this I don't think there's so. like a thing that someone taught me in a religion class in college when I was like falling into I had like a zen buddhism period of my life where like I went to sure. like a monastery for the summer once like not the whole summer but like for a few weeks mm-hmm. and like had like a there's like a big turning point for me. I grew up with a I grew up with a real bad anger problem, like a yeah. really bad temper. Um, my father had a temper when I was a kid. His father had a really bad temper, like d- mm-hmm. deeply, deeply. Like I, my grandfather got over it. My father got over his temper. I wanted to get over it way earlier in my yeah. life, and so I found Buddhism and thought a lot about suffering and possessions and stuff. But one of the things, which is not a, it wasn't a Buddhist um, parable. It was a, it was a Tao parable that sometimes gets taught in Zen, and I had a. Um, it is. It is effectively when you imagine yourself on a boat. Mm-hmm. You're sitting down in the boat and you're or you're rowing. You're rowing and you're facing it the other way, right? And behind you, you suddenly hit a boat. You stand up and you go, "Fucking yo, I'm in a boat. Watch where you're going. Don't hit it. Ah, like I'm trying to get somewhere." Yeah. And if you turn around and there's a person there, you get into a shouting match. Yeah. And if you turn around and you look and it's an empty boat, you go like, "Ah." All right, word. I guess the boat is empty. Like I don't have anyone to yell at. Yeah. And there's a way that this you can interpret this in a really negative way that prevents you from um, from performing justice, right? From like going through your world, your world. And sometimes motherfuckers want to crash a boat into you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes someone is trying to overturn your boat, mm-hmm. and you should be willing to defend that. And mm-hmm. you should look at people who are trying to crash other people's boats and help those people get out of the water mm-hmm. and prevent them from being knocked in 100. Mm-hmm. percent But when I play a game like Bloodborne, like 
there's no one in the boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I hit an empty boat. And I lost some shit. And like, yeah, I have to fucking fix my boat now. But like, it's chill. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that was cool about playing that game with you was there were moments when you would find that exact thing and yeah. just be like in the moment. And that is when you started to do really well. I yeah. loved watching you do really well. I loved being able to have a Bloodborne stream on, on Twitch that was not shouting and screaming and like yelling because yeah. that is that is the game that is the game for people is to like it's like the game's legacy it's an excuse to be online. angry gamer do yeah. you know what i mean yeah. to some degree the the i think that those games get a bad rap by being sold on their difficulty yeah i think that they undersell themselves because there's so many there's so much in that world in those worlds so much great art design so yeah. many so many interesting weird characters yeah i love playing through that game with you because i get to revisit those and also because i didn't remember them and also because i got to do like weird charades with danielle <laughs> and, and, and so danica fun. about what you were gonna fight you know yeah. um so so yeah i'm glad that was part of waypoint's time this year yeah me too it was um it opened and like i said it opened so many doors for me into other games that i would play including including my number one game this year which is definitely an honorable mention for me if i'd finished it or gotten a little bit further in it i think it would have made my list hollow knight yeah which we talked about extensively on its own podcast i'm so glad that we got to do a podcast on hollow knight because it meant so much to me this year that was the number one game I spent the most hours with yeah. says Nintendo, who emailed me a couple nights ago Damn, with my really? yearly roundup. They're like, you know what game you spent the most time with this year? Hollow Knight. And I was like, hell yeah, I did. And so it's my number one. Uh, that's a game that after finishing that, like, I feel like I could go back to Bloodborne. Like, I feel like that kind of trained me into mm -hmm. the mindset I need to to be able to attempt Bloodborne again. That's interesting. But I hit so many walls in Hollow Knight. I hit walls in the first hour of playing. I hit walls in the 70th hour of playing. Wow. That I did not think I was going to beat. Like, I did and not think I was going to beat that game. And I did. And I'm not a particularly good video gamer, but I tried really fucking hard to beat that game because I, it really, really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in some games, it doesn't matter. Like the fucking whatever the end of the Kingdom Hearts boss is where there's like 12 forms and it's impossible. That doesn't fucking matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, maybe it matters to some people. But for some reason, the trying to beat this Hollow Knight boss to me mattered. And I'm just so happy that I completed that game this year. I'm so happy that it came into my life. I'm so happy that I was so open to it. And... Um, yeah, you can hear us talk more about Hollow Knight on our... On me, you, and Patrick, Patrick right? yeah. And that should already be up by yeah. now, I believe. Yeah. Cool. So that's your number one. What was your number two, and why are we saving it for now? Because what the fucking hell? What's up? Austin, I started a game a few months ago. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I get it. It's cute. It's like, you know, there's dogs and stuff. And Ooh, what game could she mean? Everyone's like, dogs. Lol, lols, hi. Lols, highs. Lols, highs. I'm on Tumblr that's, that's again right. in 2008. And then something happened literally last night that <laughs> fucked my world up. <laughs> and I'm upset. Mm hmm. But also so emotional and just everywhere in every direction. So that game's Undertale. I 
originally bought this game a couple years ago on PC and never played it. I like started it, never played it. Got it on Switch um, a few months ago when it like first came out. And I played it up until the spider boss. Okay. So wait. That's a hard boss. I almost failed on that. Here we go. Spoilers for Undertale. Let's go high level really quick. High level, no spoilers. Okay, really quick. High level, no spoilers. Undertale was a game that I thought I knew what it was doing for up until the last... Okay, sorry. Undertale was a game that I thought I knew what it was doing, and it completely flipped a switch on me, and I understand so much of what its legacy is now after finally completing it. I thought it was a game that was in tune with popular culture, was in tune with internet culture, was um, incredible soundtrack, had all these pluses, but I and I and I did see, you know, a strong question throughout the whole game. I thought I, I saw a strong um, you know, narrative question that uh, that I was constantly being asked and I thought I had the answers the whole way through and it completely challenged me um mechanically and narratively and um so that's my high level of undertale is that i think it's an incredible game and it's uh, it for me lived up to just everything that's built up around it mm-hmm. i think it has some problems too yeah um but those you have to talk in the spoiler zone so now we're going into the spoiler zone Welcome ready to the sp- okay what am i doing i'm raising my hands <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Spoiler zone. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to the sport. Welcome to the spoiler zone. 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 Welcome Fuck fucking, oh, why do I always forget her name? Alphys. Alphys. Fuck Alphys. Yeah. Fuck everyone for just being cool uh-huh. with the shit that Alphys did. Yeah, everyone kind of lets Alphys fly on that shit, right? Well, like, I think that the game, all right, so. Here's the thing. Let's okay, talk about it. Let's talk about it. For the first, like, the reason why I didn't finish the game up until yesterday when Austin, I had it on my list. It was like, it was definitely like seven or eight it was considerably lower and austin and kato were like you should finish the game before you talk about it tomorrow on pod and one of the reasons i was not fucking around we were not kidding about. i was like okay i get it like i should finish the game like i'm sure there's like like uh, i want to be clear too we thought you were on maybe you didn't but i thought you were on the neutral route and i was like you should still finish the game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I meant oh yeah so I, I should meant say, play through the whole game again I should say I did the full pacifist yeah. true pacifist whatever because yeah. I had known I didn't know anything about the game but I knew that there was like a pacifist thing mm-hmm. so I hate that we call it something this is the person I am I hate that with like the there's the phrase true pacifist I, I hate, hate that there's true in it I hate that there's genocide ending like I don't there's something about this game for me that like is at its best when it is uncatalogued yeah when it is like yeah, I missed some stuff. That's okay. I liked all what I... So much of this game, for me, comes away with, like... 
the world is complex and beautiful and strange and warm and terrible and doesn't exist in a binary it doesn't exist in a binary yeah and it is it is the urge to collect and catalog and save scum your way through your fandom is an urge that erases that ambiguity and so like i mean this game literally ends with if you get the true passive setting and boot the game back up a character shows up and is like yo you gotta let go yeah please do not go through this shit again because, because pre- presumably you finish the first time yeah let's say you do the pacifist one first yeah. because you so want that does not show up to be clear flowey does not like we're in spoiler zone right yeah Again. we're in spoiler zone burr, 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 burr. okay spoiler <laughs> zone. um uh uh, uh asriel in the flower form does not show up if you've gotten the true neutral ending to do that thing that he does where he's like, yo, people are cool. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because when you beat this game on the pacifist ending, this game knows that you're saving and loading, yeah. right? It, it has like, a, there's a wink and a nod by the end of the game that opens up to a full conversation of like, hey, the world remembers what you do in this game. The world reflects what you've done. You have the power to save your game. That is a thing that your character can do in the world and that another character can do in the world. And they use it to like torture people and hurt you. Mm -hmm. And you use it to like save your friends Mm -hmm. and to make the world a better place. And so at the very end, it encourages you to be like, yo, you saved everybody. Do not hit true reset and put them back into a position of self. So that you can just get... It doesn't say to like get the other ending. But... But it says like... You've already fixed this. Yeah, it's just like there's one person in the world. One person can hurt people here. You. You're the yeah. one person who can do this. And the thing for me that's like such an accomplishment about that game, seeing you beat it again last night, was like, man, I still give a fuck. Like, I still care about these people, these goofy assholes. And I don't want them to be in pain. Even the ones who I dislike, mm-hmm. I don't want them to be suffering. And like, who? what? They're pixels on the screen. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. But Toby Fox's writing, I think, and the art that he and others did is so communicative it's so like they do so much with so little to make Mm -hmm. me care about these characters and Mm -hmm. to like laugh and joke and cry that like yeah i don't think i'm ever gonna play that game again yeah um but to toss it back over to you you thought it was gonna be like lol dogs i thought it was gonna be lol cats for the whole game and like there is that humor in it it's like conscious of that that era of like internet humor and, like, it was fun, like, revisiting that. Like, it was fun being like, oh, like, I remember what it was like to be online. Small dog. Small, small bean. Puppo. Pup, pup, doggo. Snack. Doge. Snacks. Doge snacks. Doge snacks. And I was like, that's, like, cool that we have this, like, living document of mm-hmm. that internet era. Yeah, yeah, But, and I was like, it's cool well, that. What was the turning point for you? Was it as early as like one of the dates? Was it the a dates boss were fight? cool? No, I mean all of that stuff was cool. I mean I knew I loved these characters. Okay, like that's the thing is like I was trying to figure out why this game was so monumental. Mm-hmm. Like I knew there had to be something outside of funny characters, f- funny like well written characters mm-hmm. because this game starts out with a question with a challenge of basically being like. There are conventions that you are used to as a player of games that you that are automatic, that uh-huh. feel innate to what playing an RPG is. And it automatically challenges you within the first like 
it it like hints at like you know there you don't have to kill everybody kill you don't have everybody to hurt you don't yeah. have to hurt people yeah. but defenseless i mean you like you when you have the encounter when you have the experience of the encounter the enemy encounter it yeah. is so ingrained in you that you are in a danger zone and that your only reaction is to retaliate yeah, force is justified yeah, yeah. exactly and so that's immediately challenged from the, from the get-go. And so I was like, okay, this this game is doing an interesting thing. It is, like, kind of subverting this convention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think it would keep subverting that convention. I didn't think that, you know, the things that I knew that I thought were EXP were something else. I didn't think that the things right. that I thought were, were leveling some, whatever, were something right, else yeah, yeah. Or, or love and even was that, something else. that stuff ends up being like, that's just a little heavy-handed, but it feels earned by the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, so It's it, heavy-handed, but it also, because it's been there the whole yeah, time, yeah, yeah. it still feels like ingrained in that world. And because people are like talking about it. Like it's not like you and it's it's not just with like the determination thing yeah. like that's a that's kind of strange and mm-hmm. it's it, but it's not just saying you are filled with determination each time it is like you know seeing this mouse yeah. it like fills you with <laughs> determination seeing like there is there is like a change constantly yeah, there's yeah, yeah. constantly a progression and so there's constantly feels like a flow of like moving like mm-hmm. there is attention being called here and so it doesn't feel like kind of like the uh, let's just make this this thing and like paste it on everything else. Um, and so getting to the end of that game in which I yesterday I was at the Metaton fi- fight. Right. Oh, my um, God. Which. <laughs> which which you would have been at forever. If which Kato I wouldn't hadn't... have finished this game if I hadn't like talked to you guys. I was like, OK, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to finish the game. Like, I'm at this Metaton fight, and it is just so hard. I was like, how am I supposed to just... I was like, I just got to get catch all these hits, catch all these hands coming at me, mm-hmm. all these legs. All those legs. All these Metaton's legs. Metaton's got some legs. Some legs. And I was like, this is just impossible. I don't understand how I can make it through. And y'all are like, well, are you shooting him? And I'm like, no, I'm not fucking shooting him. I'm doing the pacifist run. Well, you don't have to shoot him. You just shoot the things he's shooting at you. Yeah, which That's I'm a trick. fool. I am yeah. a fool. So a basically, bit. you got through it. Though. I got through it. And then you get into the actual end game there. That ends up being like fighting Asgore, right? Fighting Flowey. Yeah. And then the secret lab. The secret lab. And figuring then, all that shit out. Yeah. And it felt so earned, like. Through the difficulty of like those um, boss encounters, the flowey fight is so hard. It is so hard. Yeah. I almost gave up. I was like, okay, it's not worth it. I don't care what the ending is. I'll look it up. And I'm so fucking glad that y'all pushed me through and got me to do that ending for myself because it is so walking back through. So after you finish the flowey fight and you you do everything, and they're like. This is your last chance. Like, go walk around. Yeah. Go say hey. Go say hey. And, like, walking back through the whole world and talking to everyone again, I was like, I know all of these people. Mm -hmm. Like, I know all of these monsters. I 
like this world is so ingrained in me and feels so significant. Nothing feels unnoticed. Nothing feels arbitrary. Everything feels so real. And I think you and I were talking about earlier that there is a worse version of this game that introduces arbitrariness. Because there are... Yeah. There are... There are things that feel... So by arbitrariness, what we ta- what we mean is like, okay, so a thing that happens in games sometimes is it says like, uh, okay, well, if you hit these three switches, three different places in the world, or if you answer the same thing, you know, 55 times in a row, if you ask, if you talk to the same, if you talk to the same character 10 times in a row, even though they're repeating the same thing, ah, actually it will unlock a little side thing for you. Mm-hmm. And this game does things sort of like that. It's a close, but it still feels like within the realm of possibility. Right. Well, like, there's one that Kato was, like, shaking, shaking his head, but, like, the Sans thing with getting into Sans's room is very similar to that, right? Yes, but I would argue that because of the determination thing, like, there's already something about talking to him multiple times. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is some, there is some, there is some like, not... excuse for it to some degree. But what I'm saying is it, it could be that all the time. Yeah. I think the Sans example... totally optional. Yeah, but like, but that's, but again, this goes back to the question of like, if assets are given to it, right, right, right. in the world where people are keeping wikis, yeah. stuff that is secret yeah. is important. Yeah. There is a, there is a, a, an aura to it. Yeah. Because it is not close to you the yeah. way that a boss fight, a regular boss fight is part of. Yeah, the because the secrecy feels like you've, you're on some other level. Yeah. Like you're, you are like of this subsection of, of the audience that really appreciates the game because you spent the time that you like took the time to like scour the wikis or to, mm-hmm. to be the one to figure it out or to like try different things, try different arbitrary things. And like the worst version of this game is, is what you were saying earlier is like three random switches that are not hinted to anywhere right. in like the the dialogue or the narrative of the world that unlocks some secret thing. And, and it like, doesn't do that. And it doesn't do that. And I'm so grateful that it doesn't do that because I feel like I actually like my my playthrough of that game was felt and was not me ticking things off a list. Like, there were things that I could have done. There were things that I, like, the room service thing in the hotel where, like, people are like, ah, I want a lemonade. And I was like, I know this is something. Like, Mm -hmm. I know if I go get a lemonade and I bring it back here, I will unlock something. But I'm okay with just moving forward. And to feel like I'm actually, I'm at least aware of the things that I'm missing out Mm -hmm. on and I'm making these kind of conscious choices because I'm paying attention was really rewarding rather than feeling like I just didn't, pay attention enough to something right. that I would have never have like been able to notice and did not have the like accessibility to notice. So but I think Undertale is messy. Oh yeah. In the way that Alphys is a lot like I am so fucking frustrated with that entire sequence. There is like so for people who haven't listened but who are or who haven't played but who are listening to us now, there is this is the the story of Undertale is because we just spoil it here, is that there is a monster world and a human world, and that you are a human who's fallen into the monster world. 
you find that there has been a history of past humans who've fallen in here and their souls are going to have been stolen and are going to be used to break down the barrier between the two worlds, Mm -hmm. allowing the monsters to go through into the human world and conquer the human world and kill people. Mm -hmm. You learn that there is a a tragic backstory tied to this about the death of the prince of this monster world that's tied to a past human who also came down here. And in the true pacifist ending, quote unquote, you get into a secret laboratory where you learn that the process of taking human souls out of people and trying to affix them into monsters to give them uh, the ability to basically come back from the dead and and break through the wall, all that shit, results in like the, the unintentional but intentional torture of monsters of other people in this world um the their like weird amalgamation to each other yeah um the death of people yeah. um and the character who does this is this like scientist who before and after is presented as this kind of bumbling mm-hmm. like loser anime nerd who's supposed to be adorable who's and like cute. very like people pleasing yeah, yeah, yeah and is like like in service to others constantly and is constantly trying to like prove her self-worth right and who frames this as like there's a moment when it feels like it where it should go is like ah oh, she has this big romantic like you know um uh, reveal not reveal romantic kind of like um not reunion but but connection with yeah. this other character who is like her love interest and who you know their love interest for each other and instead she kind of scurries away and ends up saying like i have to take care of i have to figure out some shit that i did i did mm-hmm. some really bad stuff i did some yeah. really bad stuff and it says that but then it doesn't really contend with the fact that she did some truly bad shit. Yeah, nobody else else interact like confronts and her. And she about doesn't this. bring it up to anybody else. And there are other people who know what she yeah. did. And like she's not the only one that's been doing some shit. Yeah. Doing Undyne some shit. also killed some people, probably. Undyne's probably killed some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asgore has already sacrificed six children. Right. But also and has chosen not to just do the damn thing to break like, yeah. They're not cool people, and like, and the and the and the the way in which humans find their way yeah. into the, the monster, monster world yeah, yeah. is there is a mount. The monster world is built under a mountain, in which it is hinted at or it is talked about. Like this is a mountain where kids go to get lost. Right. Like this is a mountain where people go to never be found again. The, 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 and there's there's in the world of the humans. It is known that people who go here disappear. Yeah. They don't come back. And yeah. so there's a degree to which the game is already playing with subtext yeah. around questions of death, abuse, run away, right? running away from home, like all sorts of stuff that is very charged. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all intentional. Like, I yeah. do think that. No, I, I yeah. Um, and I think that there's like, there's a reading that I can make space for in my heart that says that this is about finding which is about found family. Mm-hmm. This is about recognizing the problematic truth about our parents. Yeah, because there's a moment at the end where you basically choose to stay with Toriel right. or you choose to go on your separate way. And Toriel, for the most part of this game, has been, um, or for the beginning of the game mm-hmm. and then disappears for a long time, is like a mother-like figure but you also find out that the previous human who was here that everyone thinks you are but you're not was groomed for sacrifice for this larger thing mm-hmm. and like 
And I think you're right, Austin. I think there is somewhere, there is like space here to think about like our problematic families. Like where do we compartmentalize? Where do we... um, uh, Like forgive even, Forgive, yeah, because I mean, the thing is there are deliberate questions of like asking for forgiveness that you have to answer like people ask you to forgive them mm-hmm. i think um asriel asks you to forgive them mm-hmm. um at the end of the game and so it's not like there are moments where the By game them, you is... actually mean the other people of this world even right not just even asriel but like i think there's it... a degree to which it's like take care of them for me i think right? so yeah i think so yeah um and so the game is Asking those questions, I just wish they had asked the questions for everyone and like more directly mm-hmm. because I think there are like really big things happening here um, that I think maybe move a little bit too quickly through them. Sure. Sure. Well, like, and, and so for me, that ends up opening a question, which is like, so there is the other route. There is the what what the fandom calls the genocide route. I don't remember if Toby calls it that now or if. But it if, is like in the wiki now. It that is has been how since, it's referred yeah. to. And that is the route in which instead of not killing anyone, you decide to go through the actually like extensive labor of finding and killing every enemy in the game. Not just the ones who are already on the map, but the random encounters. You stay on each map and each screen. You until, grind yeah. to kill everyone. Yeah, totally. And this gives you a bunch of unique plot stuff. There are fights that are over instantly because well, partially because you've leveled up, but also because like storytelling-wise. Yeah. Characters cower in fear of you. There's You get more information about the first human child this way. Um, it becomes kind of a horror game in which you are playing the villain, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's space for storytelling of that sort. But what ends up being frustrating is like, okay, one, I, so I haven't played that route. I've watched parts of that route. I've read all about it. I know all the weird, not know all of it, but I've looked it up fairly recently mm-hmm. to be like, okay, wow, what all happens in the genocide route? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I end up leaving is like, I almost wish more space had been spent digging into the stuff that we're talking about now around forgiveness, around are there uncrossable lines? Mm-hmm. Are there lines that like once you cross them, like I don't want to associate with you? Mm-hmm. Because there is no ending where you save everybody and also are like, Alphys, I'm not going to fuck with you. Like yeah. we're not friends. Yeah. I can't – I'm not at a place where I'm willing to forgive you for what you did to these people. Yeah. Um, and there is really only the the – there is, as far as I know, like, again, you could leave all of them behind, right? But, like, it's a fairly binary situation where, like, in the true pacifist ending, Alphys and Undyne are going to be shown together on a beach holding like hands kissing. and kissing. Yeah. There's, like, Asgore might be the dad who, who who has been, like, separated and Toriel and Sans are clearly, like, the fucking item now. But, like... Asgore is still on that screen looking like a like a happy dad, you Just know? Like cutting his yeah, trees. Yeah, and the game's strength is that it allows us to develop warmth for these characters. Mm-hmm. It does such a good job of communicating their humor and why they liked each other and mm-hmm. why they want to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. But I almost wish... Like, the genocide route feels like it has so much unique stuff in it. It's like, what if I just got more stuff at the end of that game's pacifist run that let me struggle with some of those character relationships mm-hmm. and struggle with the contend with the the repercussions of the stuff and the subtext and with like 
what it means to be to be in the world with people who've done bad things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a thing that we as people have not dealt with in comprehensive ways. And I mean people in my age group and in your age group um, that we live in an era where we have seen how bad the world is. And yeah. we know we don't have the, – the scales fell from our eyes a long time ago. We know yeah. we know that we are surrounded by people who we cannot trust. Yeah, We know that there are people who will cause us pain in our own families, in our own workplaces, in our own homes, in, in the White House, right, <laughs> in government, in business. There is skepticism rightly earned. Um, and there are also people who fuck up. Right, like we kicked off this year by like twice in a row hurting a lot of people by fucking up around trans issues, right? Um, uh, and I did my best to like take the L and like learn and listen and like try to do better around some of that stuff and recognize where we would not be improving, like, mm-hmm. um, and where I knew our resources wouldn't change around being able to fix certain things and mm-hmm. where like okay, I should back off on this and and here I should double down and make sure like we're really good on this other part, like mm-hmm. whether that was like editorial oversight or whether that was whatever that was, right? Um, and so I've done a lot of thinking in my own life. It's like okay, like when I fuck up, what should I expect from the community? And I'll say that from our community, what I found is like empathy and compassion and understanding that you're coming from a good place. Um, but I've also seen communities completely turn inwards and just devour people mm-hmm. for minor transgressions um, or defend people because of favorite status, right? I've seen people who maybe should be ostracized or who've hurt people repeatedly find defenders where there shouldn't be any and or I feel there shouldn't be any. Or, and or continue to see opportunities. A hundred percent. And so I, I think on all sides of this conversation, yeah. whether that is the Alphys, you know, conversation of like, oh, this is a person who did something really bad, but we're pretending like everything's chill. Mm-hmm. Or the conversation that is like, hey, someone's done something really bad or did something something offensive, something something they fucked hurtful. Up. They fucked up. Um, and there's what is the path towards resolution? Yeah. Um, we know that the world is that like the criminal justice system is fucked and broken. Uh, but we don't have I don't know that a lot of people have good language for what they would like to see that system replaced with. Mm-hmm. And I want that conversation to happen in 2019, not just in the small picture. What do you do when someone hurts you sense? But in the big picture, social and global sense, how do we hold people accountable? How do we develop practices for recognizing, for working through questions of effect without falling into the trap of thinking about intention, working through intention without falling uh, into the trap of like zero sum. Like all of those conversations should be had. And this is a game that like does so many other things so well. I would have loved to have had a little bit of that stuff. I haven't played Deltarune yet. Um, but one of the things that Kato said as we were watching you beat the game again is the last encounter with Azriel, who is like who who is both the uh, your your uh, kind of the heart of the game, but mm-hmm. also the the key antagonist for the bulk mm-hmm. of the game, or kind of in the background showing up again and again, mm-hmm. is he says, "Hey, you're going to go up to the human world, and the human world is not like here. The yeah. human world is not a place where people are nice and where people will have empathy." Yeah, because be he's like, as much as there is suffering down here, like people have made the best of it. Like people right. have tried right. really hard. Like people have built communities. Mm-hmm. People have tried to. To live a good life in right. this in the situation in the hands that they've been dealt mm-hmm. with the hands that they've been dealt, but you know, up there, 
is right. different. And the final thing that he leaves you with is like, so all throughout the game, Flowey has been saying it's kill or be killed. That's yeah. the world, and like you end up learning that, like, oh, okay, there's a reason for that. And so at the end, Asriel, who is Flowey, says, you know, up there things are different, um, but promise me, like, don't kill and don't be killed. There are a lot of Flowies out there. Which is like, oh, fuck, you're right. There sure fucking are. There sure are people who will manipulate you and use you and take advantage of you and yeah. and convince you to hurt other people on their behalf and convince you that they are allies. And, and convince you that that is the way. Right, that, totally. That is, that is just the, the, the way of is, the world. Exactly. Dog eat dog, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so it, he leaves you with this much more mature takeaway, which is mm-hmm. like, don't kill and don't be killed. There are going to be moments when you will need to fight back, like yeah. where people will try to hurt you yeah um and i appreciated that and almost wish there was more of that conversation in that game yeah. and i also understand that sometimes you have to hit publish you yeah know? no i understand that so. but i think it does do something strong with individual action having an impact yeah totally because you are just i mean you are the one most significant human in this underground monster realm because you are like the answer to to their suffering almost um but also your individual actions will have an impact and can have an impact on a paradigm that is against you mm-hmm. or that is against others or is that against people you love that against yeah. people you care about and your individual action can can do something good for them um even if it's against what is yeah. expected or has been taught to you or um, is what has been naturalized in your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Undertale, an Under, interesting. Undertale. In, Number two. In 2018. Finally, someone's played a game. There's a little game. I don't know if you've heard of it. Called Undertale. <laughs> Made by Toby Fox. He's this indie designer. Have you heard of Homestuck? <laughs> um, I can't believe we did it. That's all I have to say. Oh, are you done? I don't know. I mean, there's more I could say. 250. We could do 10 more minutes. Yeah. I mean, well, okay, but part of that's going to get cut out. Because Is that including the Mecha Gacha talk? No. Oh, wow. We oh, could have wow. hit three. I, I'm going to say 250 is probably enough. Thank you all, the people who listened to all, the way through. To all of this nonsense. Um, I appreciate having a platform to be able to have these discussions about games because we care a lot about them. We really, really do. We really... Like, I think sometimes you get people who are like, why don't you just have fun with video games? Why do you have to be like this? The answer is like, I get to be like this. I don't have to be. Yeah. This is fun for me. Like, it's yeah. fun to dig into this stuff. The same way that people dig into film and music and everything else. Um, so thank you for hanging out. Thank you, Natalie, for sharing your top 10 list. We should go over them one more time. Yeah, the top, we should. From the top. Leaving out leaving out honorable mentions. So they had their place. So let's just give me the top 10. Okay. Number one, no, Hollow Knight. Okay, down. sorry. What oh, are you, what fuck. Are you doing? <laughs> Uh, leaving out the honorable mentions? Yeah, just okay. start at 10. From number 10, P-Cross 2. Number 9, Don Machi Memoria Freeze, Frise. Um <laughs> Number 8, Sea of Thieves. Number 7, Monster Hunter World. Number 6, Into the Breach. Number 5, Fortnite. Number 4, Minute. Number 3, Bloodborne. Number 2, Undertale. Number 1, Hollow Knight. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Uh, for me, number 10, Sea of Thieves. Number 9, Tetris Effect. Number eight, Frozen Synapse 2. Number seven, Ashen. Number six, Valkyria Chronicles 4. Number five, No Man's Sky Next. Number four, Monster Hunter World. 
Number three, Heaven Will Be Mine. Number two, Into the Breach. And number one, Battletech. Those are Natalie and my games of 2010. <laughs> 2010. Is that not a bit? That's not a bit. That's for real. <laughs> Austin Walker, dead ass tired. Dead ass said 2010 instead of 2018. Top 10, 2018. I'm exhausted. God bless. God bless. Shout outs to Kato <laughs> for editing this and all the other ones. This is the last podcast that we're recording in like through the beginning of January. Um, and you're going to hear it out of order. So this is what I'm about to say isn't going to make any sense. But thank you so much for listening to uh, all of these. They've been a blast to make. We've recorded them down to the wire in a sense. Um, but I've appreciated it. I, I've really enjoyed the process of being able to dig deep in some of some of the year's coolest games and to share our thoughts. Uh, thank you to Kado. You find Kado on Twitter at A underscore Kado underscore appeared. If you liked these podcasts, please go to Twitter. Tell Kado thank you for all of his hard production work. He has been a great asset to the team this year. Thank you and welcome again aboard. I uh, find Natalie where on Twitter? At Natalie Watson. There you go. On the Twitter machine. On the Twitter machine. You can find me at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. You can find everything Waypoint does at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypoint vice, waypoint.vice.com. Natalie's trying to show me something. Hold social- on. What's up? You said don't read this until we're done. Yeah, because it's funny and terrible. Oh, until we're done, done. Yeah, I didn't mean like at the end. Oh, I thought this was like a fun. Okay. This isn't a fun bit. This is a. I linked you to a bad review of. Of your anime. I just want to say again, my anime is bad. (laughs) Okay. You know that you didn't need link underscore of underscore Hyrule. To tell me. To to tell you this. I did not. Okay. I did not. Okay. Um, (laughs) Find waypoint, waypoint waypoint.vice.com. Find find us. I'll use the other one. If you enjoyed this stuff, go on YouTube. Fuck. Go on iTunes. If you enjoy this shit, hit up our YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice. There's some updates there. I don't know. You can go watch me and Rob play some XCOM, I guess. Go to iTunes or Google Play or whatever your podcatcher of choice is and give us a review. Um, say nice things. Say nice things. Give us Hit, the, hit that five-star button. That gives us some promotion that helps people know, let people know about how goofy and fun and deep we are or whatever the fuck you write in the review box. <laughs> um Following me, Austin underscore Walker. Shout out to Mello for letting us use some some tracks. Uh, you can find out more about Mello at Mello Makes uh, Mello on Makes Twitter. on Twitter and to the number two MelloMakes.bandcamp.com. Go buy one of his albums. Support him if you like the song. It's a good one. All right, I think we're done. I think we did it. I think that's it. Do we have any final words before we say goodbye? Shout outs. Bars. <laughs> Peace. I think we're done. Nice. Good. <laughs> Wait, do you've not heard this song though? Right? Is Have this you heard is the sand this song? This is the sand song, oh, right? No, I haven't heard that show. We should watch the sands fight. You should watch the sands fight. <laughs> I'm down. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.